Don't tell me not to fly, I've simply got to If someone takes a spill, it's me and not you Don't bring around a cloud of terrain on my parade Don't tell me not to live, just sit and putter Life's candy and the sun is a ball of butter Who told you you're allowed to rain on my parade I'm gonna march my band out Hi everybody, um, it's the episode 23 of the Filmotomy podcast and I'm joined by uh, some lovely people. So uh, I'm joined by Al. Hello. I'm joined by Rob. Hi there. And I'm joined by Jonathan. What's up everyone? Uh, well, uh, how have you all been? Have we had a good week? Uh, pretty good. Um... Yeah, yeah, pretty good. I actually, um, movie, just real fast movie related. I'm doing something extremely crazy, which I'm probably going to regret later. And that is the, in the Marvel movie marathon. <gasps> oh, wow. Oh my gosh. Just like so many of those. Okay. There's Jonathan, like, you have to, you have to answer a question then for the podcast listeners. Okay. <laughs> All right. So to this point, by the way, have you seen uh, Black Panther? Yeah, and I, I think it's probably the, the probably the best one out of all the, out of all the Marvel movies. Okay, even better than the um, uh, Winter Soldier, which I consider to be the best one. So, okay, well then that answers my first question, which is to this point, which one is your favorite, and which one is your least favorite? It would be Thor: The Dark World. I would say probably. <laughs> yeah. I get really confused with them. I don't know which one's which. Like. Uh, I don't. I know which one's which, but at the same time, they could just be the same movie. They just seem to be be the same formula. Like some of them are great, and then the others just like the sequels are really sort of like uh, touchy. I don't know. There's, some of them are just like oh, like Iron Man two. I was just like skip that one and like the Incredible skip Hulk. That. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah. That that's the downside of, of, of pulling off this marathon. There are definitely ones to revisit and ones I can just completely forget. Yeah, yeah. Oh well. I mean, I actually might actually power nap through some of them just just to, <laughs> actually, just, to, just to get through it. Set you set your alarm for like two hours, two and a half hours later. <laughs> yeah, in some cases. And they're yeah. saying that um, uh, um, Infinity War is going to be the longest one yet. Oh. My gosh. So I have, um, I actually have the entire, like, bound, uh, I'm trying to think of what it's called, what the series is called, but it's the, it's the Infinity War, like, omnibus from Marvel. So I have every single issue of that, like, saga. So I've, I've read into, like, what that, what that story is and, and, and all of it. And I'm sure they have to alter it to make it fit, um, their format, you know, for the movie. But, um, yeah, I'm kind of interested to see how how bloated this movie is because <laughs> this look, this yeah. is exactly what they've been building up for, right? This is what 20 movies of development have come to. And that's great, I guess, from a big production studio point of view, but I kind of view the Marvel movies as like, you know, it, it's like this mass entertainment. And so mm-hmm. um, I try to take out of it what I can, you know, just try to enjoy myself. 
but um, I'm I'm kind of a DC fanboy. My, you know, and underneath my critic hat, because um, I'm a huge Batman fan. But you know, <laughs> so yeah, I, and I mean, the movies that I like out of Marvel are weird. Like people don't like. I liked Iron Man three because of like the the villain the Mandarin, and I just thought that that was a perfect like metaphor for like you know. Um, you know, terrorism and like how people could use a symbol to like, con- you know, confuse people, especially in our, in our like social media world today. So I don't know. And then I hear that, Oh, that was like the worst one you know, out of, out of, out of a lot of movies. So I don't know. Well, well uh, how, which one's your bit- favorite? Oh yeah. Wh- which, which Marvel movie is my favorite? Yeah. Uh, um, okay. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's really tough. I mean, I guess I'd, <laughs> I guess I would go for like the Avengers just cause it's a lot, it's just fun. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, it's their, the, their movies really just aren't my cup of tea, but, um, but yeah, they're fine. I mean, they're, they're fine. Yeah. I thought that Batman, v, I thought that Batman V Superman was, a, was great. So, you know, I mean, oh, I, can't, I can't be the only seriously. one. I, I thought you're was, not, you're not the only right. one, Rob. No. I, <laughs> I, I love, I love that. I love film. Watchmen. Like Watchmen is, in my opinion, actually the best yeah. superhero or comic book movie because <laughs> it's, it's just so it like goes so far and it like you know just goes there. But yeah. Okay, I'll tell a funny story. Like just quickly before we get into the polls. Um, my <laughs> first date with my boyfriend, well, fiance, um, was going to the cinema to see Watchmen. <laughs> oh, nice. Uh, but it was a really awkward film because he didn't know. I really wanted to see it, and I've read like the graphic novel. It's just not the a date movie type of movie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it was just—it's like when you have this gigantic blue guy, and he's got—he's naked, and he's—he's you know, got a penis. <laughs> and it was that Big awkward swinging dick. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and it's just like. I think it was just us in the theatre, and he just like looked at me, and he was like, "Oh yeah, this this is interesting." <laughs> but now it's our fav- one of our favourite films, and every time we have our anniversary, we watch it. So, um, uh-huh. yeah, it's kind. Of, but I thought it was kind of like a funny little story. But anyway, aside from all that, um, how, the big question is, guys, have you been watching any documentaries? Just Actually watched the Red Pill last night. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> that was that was definitely that was. Uh, well, well, I guess we can save that for later on in the podcast. Yeah. Sorry. But that's no, that's good. I'm glad that you did your homework. So, thank gosh. Well, why don't um, I just say a, a couple words then, uh, since you were asking uh, about uh, Super Size Me that I just finished watching. Yes. Yeah, like I said um, in the instant message, that movie is terrifying. You know, like watching him before and after and the fact that he gained 25 pounds in like one month, that's almost one pound per day. And the fact that his cholesterol shot up like, I don't know, another 50, 60 points and he was starting to have like liver failure and there were the doctors were kept telling him you, you should quit as soon as possible. And he just kept eating anyway, because I mean, he's a he's a filmmaker. I mean, uh, yeah, I was just so surprised by um, I'm not I don't really eat out that much, so I don't eat fast food. But I'm so su- I 
was really surprised by the size of the portions that you guys have. Oh, um, it's, it's disgusting. Yeah, it's insane. <laughs> yeah, it's so big. And I'm only a little person that could keep me going for a whole week, like one supersized meal. It's just, yeah. But I, I, that is a really good documentary. Yeah. Um, and I mean, you... they call they call those meals extra value meals here. Yeah. <laughs> it's like if you think about that term, it's like we're giving you more than you need because we're fattening you up. Oh. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Uh, um, All right. Uh, I was when I was a kid, I used to eat McDonald's a lot. And yeah, I used to order kind of. Sometimes I ordered the super size when they actually used to have that. Nowadays, and I'm thinking, I'm, I'm thinking about this because I've seen the movie before. Uh, super size me when I was back in. Uh, it was in, in health class, and when I was a junior in high school. Um, I think that uh, if I'm looking back on it, that's probably where I should have just stopped eating. You know, like processed food because I think that probably probably contributed to me having, in some form, having uh, uh, hypertension. I have malignant hypertension and uh, kidney failure. So I'm thinking maybe, and that maybe didn't, eating all that crap didn't help. But now, it's just now, uh, now that I have this condition, it's just like, yeah, I have to eat a lot smarter than I used to. And maybe well, when I was... And maybe that, you know, definitely didn't help when I was younger. Well, it's interesting that you say that um, because it, it, I think that's why that documentary is so good because it sort of makes you reevaluate your life choices in a way and, and, and what you're doing. And I think that's a sign of a good documentary that it can leave you going, like questioning your whole the decisions in life and be like oh okay um i didn't think that way before and i think if a documentary can do that but not be sort of but like banging on about it you know um right not preachy but informative that's a sign of a good documentary to me but uh well i'm glad to hear that guys you guys have been watching documentaries so um, I'm hoping that we get some interesting little capsule reviews from you. Hint, hint. <laughs> um, okay. Well, that's great. Uh, I thought because we were sort of re- winding up the rewind. <laughs> Is that like we're fast forwarding now? Um, we're just going to go quickly through the um, polls that I've been holding on Twitter, and then I just want to hear your guys' sort of choices as well. Um, don't know whether you voted in them. I'm not going to pressure you to give me your answer, <laughs> but <laughs> I thought it'd be a nice way to sort of wind up everything that we've been doing this week. So, um, anyone who's been following me on Twitter has seen me just tag them in loads of stuff say <laughs> we're asking random questions relating to rewind 99 so uh, uh and i'm sorry if i've been harassing people <laughs> but uh i think it's a good way to sort of get discussion going so and the responses have been really good i've been having a lot lot of people chatting about it so 
well done. But um, one of the questions I asked was, uh, which of these 99 films had the best soundtrack? And the picks were Magnolia, Fight Club, The Matrix, and American Pie. And out of those four picks, 35% of people chose The Matrix. Um, So what about you guys? Which one do you think had the best soundtrack? I mean, I think... um... I think Magnolia probably. Um, I mean, Paul Thomas Anderson worked with Amy Mann to craft a, you know, a co- like I mean, I think she created uh, most of her songs for the for the movie um, that you hear playing. So I mean, and it just impacts the the narrative all all the more. You know, it infuses the landscape with a sort of melancholy and and kind of sadness. Uh, I love The Matrix, though. I think The Matrix comes comes in like a close second, just because I love that soundtrack, especially the propeller heads. Um, I can't think of the song, but it's kind of like a. It's almost like this. It's a song playing like when Neo and um, Trinity go into like the you know the the bottom floor of the complex and just start like shooting up the place, and it's just like this awesome like upbeat. Uh, not techno, but it's just kind of like kind of like dance music, and it's it's just really catchy. Um, so, I mean, I, those are my like one one two there. Jonathan, you want to go next, or should I? Sure. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, yep. Now it's now it's started recording again. Go. All right. Uh, between the Matrix and Magnolia, I, I, the Matrix because I really really enjoyed uh, Don Davis's uh, score, and I like the infusion of orchestral and techno. Uh, and I loved uh, when, I, when I see kind of Morpheus and Neo fighting, and I loved the... Uh, <clears throat> I, again, I like I liked the mix. I just like, really enjoyed the mix of techno and, and techno in, so, in some instances, and in other instances, the uh, full or, uh, the full orchestra. And I love how the Lukowski's kind of picked and chose which uh, which beats to go with at, and for what for whatever particular scene. So I I go I go Matrix, but Amy Mann's uh, music for Magnolia is a very close second. Yeah, and um, and what about you, Al? Uh, yeah, I voted for the Matrix. Um, I just you know the the music like you can't not notice that music during the film. Um, yeah. It's one of those movies that, like, kind of like a like a Pulp Fiction, where the music just is so intertwined with the plot. Mm-hmm. Well, not the plot, but you know what you're seeing. But with the, with with the with the with the, char- with the character in the act. Yeah, the almost almost like a, another character. And I I love you know that it's mostly like heavy metal and um, a little bit of like electronica. And I you yeah. know the, I like the fact that it starts with Rock Is Dead by Marilyn Manson. And it finishes with "Wake Up" from Rage Against the Machine, which is the end credits. Oh yeah! And Rage, you know, Rage Against the Machine is one of the best bands that has ever been around. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, "Wake Up," especially. I mean, that that is just a pounding. You know, that drum and oh my god, and you know, Tom Morello's guitar playing and whew. yeah, yeah. That's the thing. I've never been a huge Rage Against the Machine fan, but I love Tom Morello's guitar work on all their music. Because mm-hmm. I think he's just a just a phenomenal guitarist, and that's a very clever song to have at the end credits, isn't it? Oh yeah, just, yeah. 
there's some really good choices like you know that they put the time and effort to pick those choices and it wasn't like a case like the suicide squad has one of the worst soundtracks i've ever heard oh, okay. like someone just literally just thought eh, that oh what's on my like you know itunes most played eh, that'll do type of thing whereas you know that the matrix they put a lot of thought into building that soundtrack which is well, great i'll say this yeah. even I don't really buy that many soundtracks, but I bought that one. Nice. Yeah. 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 One and one more note about the Matrix uh, soundtrack: early in the movie, when uh, it looks like Neo's in the going into the underground club to meet Trinity, um, mm-hmm. Rob Zombie's Dracula is playing, and for whatever reason, Rob Zombie was like played <laughs> around me growing up, and so th- for whatever reason, that sticks out as well. That there's a good mix of of like kind of like rock songs as well kind of like intermixed throughout so it's a to me it's a really diverse soundtrack as well yeah Mm -hmm. great um the next question i asked in my poll was what was the best rom-com film of 1999 um we had notting hill 10 things i hate about you never been kissed and she's all that and um it was 10 things i hate about you that won with 56 percent of the vote yeah, so um, th- I feel like this is the category of movies that are made fun of in Not Another Teen Movie, which I <laughs> yes. kind of spoke to uh, last <laughs> week with, with Daniel. But um, it, I, ha- I, I think, I, I, well, I do. I like 10 Things I Hate About You. I have a soft spot for it, even if it's somewhat of a conventional you know, teen rom- rom-com. You know, because it's Heath Ledger. We get to see Heath Ledger at such a young age, and um, you know, it's Julia Stiles and Joseph Gordon-Levitt's in there, and um, yeah, uh, you know, I, I think it's actually a really good cast, and it's funny. Um, and Larry Miller is the father. Like one of my favorite uh, exchanges is, um, "It's just a party, Daddy, and hell is just a sauna." You know, it's just, <laughs> it's just like uh, this kind of dry humor um, of just like being terrified of his daughters like getting involved in dating so and of course it's shakespeare it's the adaptation taming of the shrew so i mean there are things there that i I can really attach to i really like and oh yeah it was filmed in gas like where they do the paintball scene that was gas works park which is just outside of seattle which i've been to so i mean it's just kind of a cool like regional uh movie but yeah oh fun fact um, my name Bianca. I'm named after the character from Taming of the Shrew. So, yeah. Uh, I just thought I'd let you guys know that. Wow! Um, but you're anything <laughs> but a shrew. Yes, that is so true. <laughs> uh, what about you, Jonathan? What was what would be your pick from those four? Uh, I, I'd probably say Notting Hill. Okay, uh, interesting. Yeah, I, I, uh, I, I like both Julia Roberts and. Uh, Hugh Grant, they're both, they, and the thing that works is they have a very good chemistry together. They're very, they're, they're both very kind of likable. Um, and I just enjoy the work of both both actors, and they both work they both work very well together in this movie. And they were both sort of top of their game back when they were making that film. Like you know, two of the most well known stars in the world. Uh, so it was great to see them get together in a movie. Um, uh, Al, um, it's your choice now. Okay, so well, actually, um, before I answer mine, I don't think we got your answer for favorite soundtrack. Oh, well, that... <laughs> um, 
I wanted to go with American Pie. Okay. <laughs> Only uh, because that film is very much like my teenage sort of soundtrack. You know, all those songs on there. So I didn't really want to admit it. That's why I didn't say it. Gotcha. No, that's kind a great soundtrack. There's no problem with that. <laughs> Believe it or not, I actually liked uh, American Pie 2 soundtrack even more. Oh, I love that soundtrack too. Yeah, yeah. like some 41. Yeah. All of those... Funny. To, oh god, there's such yeah. great there's songs, songs on there. Like, all that good pop, like pop punk. Yeah, uh, yeah. Warped tour bands, basically. Yeah. Yeah, that <laughs> was my favorite. I did just, did just like you can put those songs on and instantly kind of put like transported back to that time of being yeah. a socially awkward, spotty teenager. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, I specifically, like, from the first soundtrack, I specifically remember the Blink-182 song where um, Jim is running back and forth between his house <laughs> and, you know, uh, it was, uh, oh, God, whose house was he at? Was he at uh, it was like Kevin's? Or, or maybe it was uh, Kevin's. Kevin or Oz. Yeah. yeah. And, like, that Blink-182 song's playing as he's, like, you know, Ferris bueling it through the neighborhood. Yeah. Yes. By the way, that um, that was the same neighborhood where Ferris Bueller was shot. Oh. And, in okay. fact, also, uh, that was the same neighborhood where um, Patrick Swayze's mansion was in Donnie Darko. Oh, wow. wow. That's, so, wait, wait, wait. So, was that trippy. filmed in, Il- in Illinois? Because I, I want to say that all of John Hughes' movies are, like, Based either based in Chicago or like around Chicago and Illinois. Oh wait a minute, Ferris. Maybe I'm wrong on Fer- Ferris Bueller's. I could have sworn though uh, that Ferris's house is shot in in Long Beach, but I think what you're saying. Oh though, maybe yeah. Is mm-hmm. the um oh god the uh, the one that um who's who's his friend that was refusing to get out of bed? Cameron. Cameron. Yeah. Cameron's house is in Chicago. Okay. I, I want to say that the exterior shot of, of Ferris's house is in that neighborhood in Long Beach. Okay, that makes okay. Yeah, because yeah. all those those that neighborhood, like the reason why, like at least three films have shot in that neighborhood, is because it's a very like um, middle America, you know, suburban kind of setting. Yeah. yeah. Because I was going to say, like, that's that's interesting that they would choose, a like, a, an area in Southern California to sort of shoot, you know, suburban America. <laughs> like, because Donnie Darko takes place in Virginia, like, suburban Virginia. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, Ferris Bueller's takes place, I think, in the suburbs of Chicago. So it's like, it is, I mean, I'm, that looks very different than what Southern California communities generally look like. But, again, you can yeah. find, that's what they do in Hollywood. They find uh, <laughs> locations to look like other places. You know? so. Yeah. <laughs> Just like what we were talking last week about Eyes Wide Shut. Yes. They're very sneaky, aren't they? They are. Okay, so to answer the question for the second poll, um, okay, what were the options again? So we had Notting Hill, 10 okay. Things I Hate About You, Never Being Kissed, and She's All That. Okay, so I've seen three of those four. The one I haven't seen is Notting Hill. Um, I it's okay. I... You don't need to. <laughs> <laughs> now you've just pissed off, Jonathan. Between the four, I mean, that's the one that I, I, I remember the most. The other three is like, uh, in passing. Oh, yeah. No, that's, that's totally. a good reason. Um, I think I voted for She's All That. 
Um, because I had a big crush on, what's her name? Um, Rachel Lee Cook? Rachel Lee Cook, who, by the way, was born and raised in Minnesota. Ah, oh. I see. I, I, do, yeah. I do scoff at the premise, though, that that's supposed to be an unattractive, like a, an ugly duckling. <laughs> yeah. Like, just take off her glasses and give her a haircut, and wow. She's, yeah, because that's, that's how it works. That's how it works. Don't, don't you know these cats. things? Yeah. Oh, okay. Sorry. Well, <laughs> I went. Um, my pick is never been kissed because uh, Drew Bar- Barrymore is just brilliant in that film, and um, I don't know why. I just kind of like that movie. Just it's kind of like a chick flick type of thing, you know. It's like you put that on, you, you know, have a bit, have some ice cream. Yeah, you got your hair up. <laughs> you do. <doing, laughs> Doing your nails. It's kind of fun. It's just a nice sort of like girlfriend type of movie. So not to sound like I've been stereotypically like a, a girl here, but I know it's like a film that me and my sisters watch. So it's got quite a lot meaning. Well, you, you know, it's a really fun fact, by the way. Um, did you guys ever own the DVD copy of Fight Club? Yeah, I have it. So you know oh, how like never been kissed. That's right. Yep. It comes up. Okay. It comes up as a never been kissed menu, and then after like ten seconds, it it, <laughs> it goes to the Fight Club menu yeah. as, oh, like, uh, a, as a goof, as the, oh, like, wow. a David Fincher goof. That's <laughs> oh, amazing. <laughs> I remember buying that. That was one of the very first DVDs I ever bought, and yeah. I put it into the DVD player, and I'm like, "What the fuck is this? I bought Fight right. Club." <laughs> <laughs> Do you think the DVD menu for Never Being Kissed is Fight Club? Wouldn't oh, that be great? Yeah. <laughs> that would be great. Um, so to move on to the next poll, just so I can get these sort of like tied up and everything. Um, what was the best horror film of 99? So we had Sixth Sense, Audition, Blair Witch Project and Sleepy Hollow. And this one was a very close tie between the Sixth Sense and the Blair Witch but the hmm. Sixth Sense came out with 39%. So what are you, your picks? Or pick, rather? You only I, get one. Yeah, I, so I saw the Blair Witch Project when it came, like it came out on video, I think. And I lived in a pretty secluded area of Pennsylvania. Um, there's, there's a good distance between people, like backcountry roads, that kind of thing. And um, I was watching it by myself in like my dark house. And it was pretty, it was pretty scary. It was pretty mm-hmm. scary to a 10 year old. And, um, I, I bought it fully. Like I was pretty, <laughs> pretty scared by it. And, um, looking back, it's definitely not as impactful as it was. Um, but I, I do think that from like a, from a yardstick kind of standpoint, from like a, you know, a measuring stick kind of, um, standpoint, I do think that it, you know, it brought like the paranormal activity movies to the front. I think it brought even yeah. lower budget stuff like Saw to the front. Um, and so, I mean, and, and horror movies have always sort of had that. You know, you go back to Texas Chainsaw, it was very cheap. You know, go back to Halloween, it was very cheap. You know, and that's the idea. Let's make something cheap, but that makes money. But, yeah. um, but when, but like, I, I thought that the idea was fleshed out enough that it was kind of creepy enough. It was about an urban legend. So um, I, I ended up going with the Blair Witch Project. I haven't seen Audition. The Sixth Sense, I think I hold against M. Night Shyamalan now just because <laughs> he has made so much crap. Um, but that's a good movie. I mean, I can't say it's not. It isn't. But, um, but yeah, I, I, I do like the Blair Witch Project, and I'll defend it, even though it's, it's you know, it's handy cam 
you know, kind of found footage horror movie. I just can't think of the Blair Witch Project without thinking of Scary Movie. And, you know, with the, oh, the, she's holding yeah. the, the camera and the snots coming up. Like, yeah. So, yeah. Um, what, <laughs> what about you, Jonathan? Which out of those four is your pick? You know what? I'm going to go Sleepy. I went with uh, Sleepy Hollow. Because oh, that, that's yes. like my... Uh, every, Hall- every Halloween, I have like maybe a handful of movies I will watch like mm. almost religiously. And that's... that Timber- The Timber movie is definitely one of them. I love... Uh, Johnny Depp's performances, performance in it. I like shit, Ricky's performance. Uh, and again, it's 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 Tim Burton's regular uh, cast of regular actors, Johnny Depp, and um, uh, I think Christopher Walken as as yes. the head of the man. Yeah, oh, he's yeah. He's seen a Ricky's in it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Michael Gambon, guys like that. Richard Griffiths. Uh, I, I but what I, what I really loved most. Is probably just it, it. It. I always like when Tim Burton goes into these kind of. He makes these dark Macbeth, uh, gothic horror films because they're just very. They're not. I, I like. They're not scary, but they are really well shot they're, and well, yeah. beautifully captured. And they, it, it, I find that usually those are some. You get some of his best. Some of his best work, like Sweeney yeah. Todd. Or Edward Scissorhands, or Night Before Christmas. That's when he gets. That's because that's when I feel like he is the most interesting as a filmmaker. Yeah, I mark Sleepy Hollow as perhaps the last great Tim Burton movie because then I mean, there's been some good ones, but then he's made some really since then. Odd, questionable. Made, yeah. Yeah, like, like I think his best is probably honestly his Big Fish. Yeah, I was oh going to say God. Big Fish is yes. a good movie. Uh, yeah. Yes. I love that movie. I'm so glad you said that. Well, um, can I I just want to say something real quick. Actually, I saw Big Eyes um like a couple months ago with my girlfriend and I had told her I'm not interested. Like mm. I know it's Tim Burton, I know it's, you know, um I know it's, you know, Amy Adams and Christoph Waltz and I I get it. It's a, you know, but I watched it and was like, "This is actually pretty good." Like, and it was a beautiful movie. I mean, he knows what he's doing as a director, obviously. But um, I, I thought it was actually pretty good, uh, pretty good movie. I mean, it wasn't Tim Burton returning to form; it was something different for him. But I thought that for like it being like a basically a biopic, it you know it was pretty good. Um, but but yeah, I I feel that way. I feel like he's kind of lost his mm-hmm. his way since big fish really um and i do like sleepy hollow i remember liking sleepy hollow very much growing up um and you know he he likes working with johnny depps and that's always fun yeah yeah also uh uh, just real fast uh the director uh, the the director of photography uh was uh emmanuel lubeski again that's just terrific lighting and camera work and he's just a, a freaking genius Oh, I, I I love I, I really love Sleepy Hollow. Like the costume design, everything about oh, yeah. it, the way it's shot, so good. Um, that's a good pick. Um, what about you, Al? What out of those four kind of gives you the shivers? <laughs> I uh, I voted for uh, the Blair Witch Project. Um, you know, and the funny thing is, I just recently rewatched that and The Sixth Sense. Within, I think, the last six months. And mm. um, I actually got more out of the Blair Witch Project this time. Now, had you asked me about nine months ago, I probably would have voted for The Sixth Sense. But um, 
the Blair Witch, Pro- Witch Project, there's just something about, like, that whole filmmaking, and even before that, sort of the marketing for it. Yes. Yeah. It was like a website, and it was like this um, urban legend, and everybody's like, what the hell is the Blair Witch Project? And, yeah. and there yeah. was people that thought it was real. <laughs> right. Yeah, they actually yep. brought into it. Yeah, I did. I was. I mean, I think. I think I was ten. I was. I was. I believed it because like, I lived in that area. I lived in Pennsylvania. My parents lived, or I'm sorry, my grandparents lived in Maryland, and that's where it takes place. And I'm just like, yeah, there's some fucking creepy ass woods in there. Like, what, you know, there's who knows what, like, what, like creatures living back there that's upset at the colonial the colonists for burning them alive, or yeah. who knows. Well, the cool thing is, is um. That that Burkittsville area is mm-hmm. not that far from Camp David, where the president goes on vacation. Right, yeah. and so it's I, I like to think maybe part of the reason why they got so turned around is because the uh, the government was <laughs> was trying to I keep them away. Them. Yeah, they were trying <laughs> to keep them away from Camp David. <laughs> <laughs> and they're like, ah, fuck it, we don't care about these three people. Let's just kill them anyway. Yeah. Uh- <laughs> Well, I I went with audition. Um, I've written my piece about it, so um, that's on the Film Otomy website. That's uh, filmotomy dot com. See what I did there? Nice little plug. Um, <laughs> but I just find audition so chilling and such a film that starts off. You're like, oh, okay, where's this going? And then it go- does this like crazy sort of one hundred and eighty, and then you're like. Oh, okay, this is where it's going. Um, all right. <laughs> and it's um, it's like the build-up to it. Like, re-watching it again, I began to see more and more of the warning signs of, like, the, fa- the friends saying, like, we can't find any, you know, record of this girl. You know, she's really... But she comes across as so nice. And you're just like... You don't want to think that she could be capable of committing these. Oh, the the la- the end is just truly frightening. But I think that's more scary to me than supernatural horror is the horror that people inflict upon each other. Yes. But yeah, um, ninety nine saw some good original horror films come come out. We didn't really have that many sequels. These were like all of those are original films, so that's that's quite good. But now it's all sequels. And perfect um, and yada yada. Yeah. So the next I had was which male actor gave the best performance? Um, your picks were Kevin Spacey, Edward Norton, Bruce Willis, and Tom Hanks. Um, and Despite every bit, you know, Kevin Spacey having some controversial things happen to him recently. <clears throat> yeah. <clears throat> um, he still was a favorite and got 51% of the votes. Um, so I love Lester Burnham so much. I, I just love that character. And I don't know, maybe I'm revealing too much about myself or, or what I'm capable of. But I just, I'm sorry, like that whole fuck you anti-corporate attitude is just what i'm all about that like guess what i'm going out my way and i'm gonna make you pay for it and i'm gonna get the car my dreams and i'm gonna you know and he just completely transforms and 
for like I don't know for a certain type of man who's like in the workforce has the family ha- you know he has this like and he just kind of wants to break free a little bit he just wants to and again and you can call that a midlife crisis you can call it whatever but that's a re- that's a recurring theme throughout America and throughout like you know the the end the, like suburbia and I just I just love I just love that character and it ties in with Fight Club and with Office mm-hmm. Space and with so many movies that came out that spoke to this kind of like okay, I'm in a dead-end job, I hate my life, I'm not, I don't do anything for pleasure, I don't do anything that excites me, it's just the same, like, monotonous uh, existence, and, you know, uh, it's just, it's just kind of a crazy ride, and, um, but yeah, I just, I love Lester Burnham so much, and and no matter how, how great Edward Norton was in Fight Club, Mm. um, you know, Tom Cruise was great as well, um, in Eyes Wide Shut, uh, but yeah, it's it's such a loaded field and such a loaded year with with such great performances. Yeah, definitely. Um, what about you, Jonathan? Uh, yeah, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with Kevin Spacey too. As much as I, 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 I never really cared for American Beauty when I first saw it, but I love Kevin Spacey's Kevin Spacey's performance. Of that he was just the best thing about it, and basically for a lot of oh, for oh pretty much everything Rob said he encapsulated mm-hmm. that 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 person perfect that that character and that uh persona perfectly so well well done for kevin spacey uh, what about you al which one out of those four is your pick of those four i actually went with kevin spacey as well so it's um it's a clean sweep uh, so far yeah but you know um because I was thinking, I really like Tom Hanks as well. And even though The Green Mile can be a little slow, it's a good movie. Um, yeah, it really is. But the, here's the thing I was just thinking, though. Tom Hanks is only the third best performance of that movie. Because yeah. Michael mm, Clark Duncan yeah. was the best. And then the second best was um, our Oscar Sam winner, Rockwell? Sam Rockwell. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And the mouse. Yeah, the just, little mouse. Just say the mouse <laughs> yeah. was the best mouse. You know, sorry, Stuart Little. Right. The best mouse performance of 99 was the mouse from The Green Mile. Yeah. But, no, I mean, Kevin Spacey, like you guys are saying, I mean, he's just phenomenal. That's actually mm-hmm. one of his best performances I think he's ever had. I would argue maybe it's still the, the best is him in uh, The Usual Suspects. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But, Kaiser, um, so to say, yeah. Yeah. But, um, That's so good. As Lester Burnham, I mean, that guy has so much to work with, with with that script, and he gets to make a lot of funny faces, like when he's talking about, well, I'll just, um, you know, I'll sue you, because how how can you prove that you didn't sexually harass me? Yeah. <laughs> you Although know? that scene now is a little <laughs> oh, bit uncomfortable oh, to yeah. watch. Yeah. And then, of course, the, the even more creepy scene when um, he's about to to have sex with Mina Suvari, and then she, he, she tells him that she's a virgin. Yeah. And he just goes, oh, my God, wait, I can't do this. What the fuck? <laughs> yeah. Um, I still, I, I go with Kevin Spacey, too, but um, I just feel like everything you guys have said is just spot on. So uh, I don't really have anything to add to that one. <laughs> okay, um, just real quick before we move on, I just want to yeah. say... The, the scene where right before that where he's extorting his boss where he's he's reading he's reading his job app his job like ex, like app, application oh, but his yeah. his duties and he's basically <laughs> like 
he's basically saying that like he he fantasizes about a life that doesn't so closely resemble hell walking <laughs> to the bathroom to jerk off. And it's just like that is that is my quit notice to my job. Like that is my way of saying fuck you, goodbye. <laughs> anyway, we can move on now. <laughs> well, um next was um which female um actors gave the best performance in ninety nine. So uh, we had Halush Swank for Boys Don't Cry, Annette Benning for American Beauty, Angelina Jolie for Guilt Interrupted, and Helena Bonham Carter for Fight Club. And this was very close, although um, between Swank, Benning, and Carter, sorry, Jolie, Jolie didn't really get any love, um, but uh, it was Annette Benning who won with 34%. Sorry. Wow. So that was, that was quite impressive, but what about you guys? I um, so I voted for Annette Benning because I really feel like it, it's so tough because I think that no matter what, Hillary Swank was going to win, and I think that Hillary Swank like just crushed that performance. Mm-hmm. Um, that performance is so so harrowing and so so sad and so uh, heartbreaking. Um, and she, she does such an amazing job, but I, I vote for Annette Benning because I, I love, I loved her performance at American Beauty as Carolyn, who is just, you know, she is in the middle of like doing, doing her thing and being a realtor, but she doesn't like herself. She's, she doesn't, like, I mean, she obsesses over this mental image of a person she wants to be because that's, that's just what she has kind of, that's what keeps her going. And, um, she just, but she is so contradictory and so, I mean, um, and Annette Benning plays her with this like ferocity that just is um, sort of sort of unquestioned. But um, but yeah, it's such a t- I think it's such a tough toss up between those two performances in a year again in a year of amazing performances. Um, yeah, I, I agree. Um, what about you, Jonathan? Which out of those four um, is your pick? Uh... And this is a little tough because I like all four. <laughs> um, you know, I think I'm going to go Helena Bonham Carter for Fight Club. Because uh, I kind of like the fact that, in a sense, she is kind of Tyler, t- Tyler's uh, opposite. They're, or opposite, or at least the very, at the very least, they're like, a, they're like, they're like this, almost this on the same wavelength of kind of, of, of crazy and having these thoughts about American culture and where, where it's all going. And I, and I just happen to really, really love, uh, Helena Bonner's work as a whole. She's so good in that role. I think she really, I don't, I think the film wouldn't work with anyone else in that role. Agreed. Yeah. Uh, yeah, she's very good, and um, she has some of the best lines as well. Oh my gosh! Yeah, one of the best one of the best lines that didn't make it into the movie was, um, you know, she's she she says like I haven't been fucked like that since grade school, which is the <laughs> line that keeps making it into the movie. The line that is in the book that does not make it into the movie was, she goes, Tyler, I want to have your abortion. <laughs> like, that's the one line that I was just like come on you could have just left it in there it would have been great yeah oh, she um, I love the my favorite scene is when she's she's wearing that bridesmaid dress oh, you know 
and she's just like saying how like someone loved it for a day and then just threw it in the trash and uh-huh. I, I just think like that is just that's almost like summing her life up in a way that you know right. it's just so beautiful but um mm. tragic at the same time but i i love um i love her too um but, she's but even everything even the narrator says it. it's like you know marla always said that like uh, tragedy could happen at any time, and he's, it, it, he was like the, the the disaster was that it didn't, or like you know, she, basically that she has this outlook that yeah, she could she could be wiped off the face of the earth at any time, and so what's the point of anything? It's all kind of pointless. Um, yeah. Also, just real fast, I love the scene where um, uh, it's the narrator and Marlco, she and, and they're they're meeting and. He starts realizing that she's basically going to every one of her uh, one of his uh, the positions at night just to fall asleep, and they're arguing amongst each other about which uh, okay w- w- which classes they can take and which ones yeah. he can and what she can. It's a, it's very funny, very darkly humorous and very well yeah. uh, um, It's a great intro to the character. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, what about you, Al? Which house are those for? Uh, actresses um, had the best performance, in your opinion? Uh, I think I voted for Annette Benning. Um, she's just so sympathetic. Um, you know, even though she's wrong with a lot of it, she comes <laughs> yeah. off very sympathetic. And almost like she's she's sad, you know? Like, the reason why she she can't... She doesn't know how to have a good life is because... Uh, I don't think she can get past her own melancholy. Mm. You know, I mean, yeah. she's she's so worried about everything. Like, she's worried about spilling beer on the couch. You know, that's not a healthy way to live. <laughs> so, Hey, for- come on. It's a $4,000 <laughs> sofa. Right. Upholstered in silk. Yeah. It's not just a couch. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, no, that's who my vote went for. So, um, next question I asked on my epic poll was, what was the worst film of 99? And the picks were Star Wars Episode 1, <laughs> End of Days, Pokemon the Movie, and Wild Wild West. I was going to do the rap then. But I don't know how it goes. You, but you didn't, no. no. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I so actually, I'm going to be a little controversial and say two of these actually don't belong in the list. Um, I will okay. say that end. I will say the end of days, and uh, I will say that Wild Wild West don't belong in this list. Now maybe mm. it's because I watched these as like a ten year old and was like, they're fine, they're just <laughs> movies, whatever. Um, okay, yeah, End of Days is pretty ridiculous. Arnold Schwarzenegger is trying to prevent the devil from impregnating a young woman to end the world. Jeez. Okay. How is that not <laughs> bad, though? It is bad. How you say that with a straight face? Uh, I can't. Actually, I can't say that because it's, it's the words are coming out of my mouth. I was like, this is ridiculous. Okay. <laughs> and then Wild Wild West is Will Smith um, bastardizing a classic TV show from, like, I think the 70s, okay. and Kevin Klein and that fucking mustached weird... Okay, I, I don't know. <laughs> but Star Wars Episode One was just awful, and Pokemon the movie I don't rate because it's an animated movie, and it's fine. But, it, it yeah, it's just... It's a kid's movie, and um, Star Wars Episode One was just... I feel like George Lucas just wanted more money. 
yeah. <laughs> and it was just like, hey, let's go buy this. And we did. It's so disappointing in that film because the yeah. hype to it, oh I gosh. was like, oh my God. Like, and Darth Maul? Is... Like, Darth Maul was supposed to be, like, awesome and you, you barely see him. And, yeah, anyway. yes. um, although it does have the best lightsaber fight, I think. Up until, yeah. like, the new films, that was the best one. Like, you know, when the fighting and are uh, so good and but come on jar jar what what the absolute <laughs> hell oh. uh oh so i literally just face palmed um <laughs> what about you jonathan which out of those four or is there another one that you know another one i haven't mentioned which you think was actually the worst film of I, 99 uh i'm actually writing about both pokemon and uh uh Star Wars episode one for Philonomy. And honestly, episode one, you know what? I'm, I, I, I don't think episode one was, it, it is, it, it is this disaster that everyone makes it out to be. Um, I feel that it's, it, it I like, I like where Lucas was going with, with the, um, with the film because it's, in a sense, it, it, it's about du- it, it's partly it's about duality. It's about uh, you know the the uh, duality of um, Anakin Skywalker that he become that he is supposed to be this young and innocent you know bright eyed kid, and he eventually turns into this into this uh, monstrous villain. And there's uh, a queen who also acts as a, who who's at who. Has a handmaiden and uh, a senator who's basically playing both the Trade Federation and the Senate for his own ends. Uh, I like that sense of, of where George Lucas was going. Uh, I just thought some of his decisions were were just missed the mark, um, <laughs> especially in dialogue. How, especially the dialogue and how. How, how how a lot of the characters basically talk to how the characters are speaking. Yeah. Uh, I want I want to exclude Jake Lloyd because frankly he's a he's a, he was a kid he was just he was just happy to be in that movie and I think he was fine. Like he's, he was fine. Yeah, he, yeah. I didn't have a problem with him. Uh, Jar Jar should not have should just not have existence. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Same with the Gungans, even though I. Think I understand why, but still, no, no. You, you could have just got, you could have gotten rid of them. Uh, I, I, I liked. I really enjoyed the uh, uh, the pod race scene. A lot of people say it's pointless, but I love uh, it's mostly dollar free, and I loved how. I love, I love so, the, the special. I love the effects. I like the sound editing. I like how yeah. it. it, it Kind of did show off. Okay, you can see why Anakin is is uh, had, you can see the Jedi reflexes in this young boy when he when he's going through that pod race and he's gonna when he when it looks like he's gonna crash and he has to think he has to think fast on his feet. It's it's a good sequence. I really enjoyed that. Hey Jonathan, I just really yes. quick. I I was curious about something. Um, so I saw a video on YouTube a couple of weeks ago that blew me away. Um, it, it did a side by side of the pod racing scene in episode one mm-hmm. and of grand prix 
of like the of race, you know, one of the races in Grand Prix. Yeah. And it was literally a shot by shot, like re- I was like, okay, that's a really cool homage, but it's also just seems a little lazy by George Lucas. <laughs> but you know, I mean, I, I get, I get, you know, things like, uh, like race scenes or even like car, like car chase scenes that's been done by, and done so well that, you know, arguably maybe you, you couldn't do it again, but, or do it originally, but. Yeah, I thought that was really interesting. Yeah, I, I find that scene, um, the uh, the pod race scene, actually very entertaining. I don't, mm-hmm. I've never really had a problem with that scene. Right. It's everything else. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I know. Yeah. But anyway, Jonathan. Um, and, and plus, and just real fast. Uh, yeah. Episode two was a lot worse. On, oh, oh yeah. my god! Oh god! Yes, yes. yes, yes. That was a. Oh. That was. I, I, I'm going to write about that for some anime. Like, that should. was just a movie. That's a movie. That, that dialogue was that atrocious. Is, oh, God, yes. Yes. God, it's it's making home. me angry. It's making me angry just talking yeah, about yeah, it. I, yeah, I can, forget, I can forget. That's the thing. I can forgive a lot about episode one, a lot of its shortcomings. Uh, but episode two, a lot of it, I just can't. So it's like, yeah. And the thing that just drove me nuts is that that movie is mostly dull as hell. Ugh, and yes. I never want to say that about a Star Wars movie, but it's surprisingly dull. But I'll get into it later. But yeah. really, the worst movie is po- Pokemon, easily. Pokemon, because... <laughs> okay, here's... Uh, my dad took me to see that, uh, and I would equate Pokemon... Even though I, I have a fondness for the series, it's part. Of, it was definitely part of my childhood growing up. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. It's like it, uh, I don't know if anyone's heard of this movie. It's called uh, the Oogie Loves. The Oogie What's it called? <coughs> the, the Oogie, Oogie Loves. loves. <laughs> the, yeah, it, it, it's basically that movie. Oh god! It's, it's just very uh, Pokemon. The first movie. It, it's just empty, soulless crap. <laughs> thing. Mm-hmm. And I love how they try to tack on this anti-violence message in a movie that has human Violence. beings. You know, making animals uh, animals fight. fight each other for their pleasure. It's like dog fighting. Really? We're going. We're going down, down that route. And they put them in little balls. Yeah. Little balls. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> very passionate about it. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, but that's my pick, Pokemon. Yeah. But how old were you when you were? I was like Pokemon? nine. Yeah. I, I, I was nine. I really. Yeah. Me I was too. nine. We didn't know any better. It's okay. <laughs> what about you, Al? Which out of those four was, in your opinion, the worst film of '99? Uh, I'm trying to remember what I voted for. I, it, I think I probably picked Wild Wild West because that one at least had potential, and then turned out out to be just a giant turd, a giant <laughs> spider. Yeah, turd. I thought, what <laughs> the hell is this? Are you kidding me? I wanted to get up and leave. <laughs> but um, if we're talking it does about have a really catchy tune, though. yeah, like, yeah. I mean, at least it has Will Smith. Yeah, and yeah. you know, I mean, I didn't like Star Wars, but you know, believe it or not, I've I've only seen each one of those once, and wow. so I don't remember them to be honest. I've like literally had enough time where it's been erased from my memory. <laughs> 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 but. Um, 
No, I think if we're talking truly the worst film of 1999, it has to be either Snow Falling on Cedars or The Cider House Rules. Oh, I've not seen either I've one, one of those. Wait, wait, wait. You have The Cider House Rules as one of the worst? Yep. Oh, it's so bland and boring. Hmm. I And maybe I just, I watched it too young to kind of be bored by it or just, I don't know, maybe, I, I think I had a boy, I also had a man crush on Tobey Maguire at the end of the 90s because I love, okay, I don't know if any of you have seen Pleasantville. To me, yeah. I think yeah. it's like a, a, a underrated masterpiece it's of it. like, we should wa- be watching it today to be dealing with our social problems kind of thing. But um, <laughs> yeah, I love, I just love Tobey Maguire. So I think I watched everything he was in, like the, the Ice House and like all these, all these movies, you know, Angles, or the Ice Storm, not the Ice House, the Ice Storm and just all these things. But um, well, I, yeah, that, I, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, but you know, my other problem, and I, I don't know, I, I can't seem to let this go, but yeah. there was a point um, when I look back at the Oscars where I just get so angry that they would always leave. It was like they reserved a spot for a a uh, Miramax film. Well, mm. they were all they were really good. Yeah, Harvey Weinstein was really good at what he did. I mean, I would yeah, say yeah, the other thing that yeah. he did. But you're talking about love like, was good. But Tarantino was in there. Yeah, oh, yeah, you no, got the crying yeah. game. You got, I mean, you know. once you got to like this, I mean, two years in a row, like the Cider House Rules and um, Shock a Lot. I mean, it's just like I, I would rather hang myself <laughs> 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 because at that point, it's like I don't know. It's like white bread. It's just there's no personality to those movies. Mm. That's how I felt about the post, by the way. So oh, I mean, oh, oh, oh. yeah. Well, no, that's fair. Okay. Well, hopefully this question will be a bit, <laughs> bit easier for everyone. Um, okay. What was, <laughs> what was the best film of '99? Now, your choices are are not. I'm not going to give allow you to choose anything else. It has to be one of these four. I'm afraid. Okay. Um, sorry, I, I I'm in control here. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's Fight Club, Sixth Sense, Matrix, or American Beauty. Now, Rob, I'm just going to say your choice for you. <laughs> <laughs> to cut it down on time, yeah. Um, no, so yeah, you... mine's mine's American Beauty, uh, <laughs> as I've probably already you probably already guessed. Um, I I just really like the uh, dark look at suburbia. I like the examination of the the ordinary American life, the American dream, and that it's decaying. That it's actually not so beautiful, not such a great life. That you have all these things that you're weighed down by that you have to kind of deal with that. Uh, don't have anything to do deal with like basic living, you know, eating, breathing, shelter, um, and it just I feel like it it really hit the nail on the head for like where America was at the end of the nineties, you know, that it's kind of like a revisiting of seventies ideals of you know where are you know where are we what are we chasing after, um, and so yeah, I just think it it was a really really great movie and and I love Fight Club too and I love you know so I mean it's just a it's such a tough year to kind of n- nail down but. American Beauty is my pick. Uh, what about you, Jonathan? Uh, you know what? I'm going to Matrix. I it I love that it was a a mix a mixture of kind of like Blade Runner and all like 70s Hong Kong action films that combined uh, science fiction and kung fu films and uh, philosoph- 
uh, philosophical yeah philosophical <laughs> arguments sorry uh, I love how they blended it all together into this very unique and this, this, this just this unique action film and mm. the way it was shot the way a lot of the fight choreography was 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 done uh, the dialogue it all was really just absolutely fantastic and it was just very groundbreaking at the time and I thought it still holds up today yeah, yeah, most definitely. Um, and what about you, Al? Which out of those four is your pick? Well, I'm going to pick another one, then. I'm going to go with Fight Club. Um, it's just, oh, God. I mean, Fincher, I like, Fincher is my all-time favorite director. Hmm. And Fight Club is one of my favorites of his. Right now, I rank it second behind the social network. Um, and Brad Pitt and Edward Norton and Helena Bonham Carter are just, like, one of the best uh, uh, you know, what do we call it? Three O's? It's not a duo. It's a, it's a three O. Trio. <laughs> trio. Trio. Oh my god! Oh my god! <laughs> I, I'm definitely going to keep that in. No. <laughs> yeah, we, we love you, Al. <laughs> oh, bless you. Words escape me sometimes. Thank you. Um, yeah, no, Fight Club. I mean, just oh my god, bitch tits. I mean, how can you not love bitch tits? <laughs> meatloaf <laughs> yeah i'm so i was so surprised to find out that was meatloaf was yeah like, that's the guy that's the guy from the the music videos and, and Rocky Horror Show. from Takashi yeti wow it's crazy but yeah and um i love that film and i just want to bring up that out of the four picks that's the only adaptation the rest are original screenplays, which is amazing. Um, but my pick, I think, is going to be American Beauty, like Rob. Um, just because, I don't know, it's, it's really hard because I would love to go with Fight Club with Al. And 41% of people did went with that. But it's just something about American Beauty, which just... Like, all the reasons that Rob has said, I, I completely agree with him on that. And 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 The Matrix is great. That's such an original film, but I think it was let down by those awful sequels. Oh, which, yeah. Yeah, and the thing is, it's, if it hadn't been... I don't know why they did those sequels. If they just had kept it, you know, just that, just did the one-off, that could have been such a great film. I feel like I can't watch it without thinking about those really like long, overcomplicated sequels with that weird rave thing. Or oh you... god, that scene went on for like ten minutes. Yeah, that's just the worst. <laughs> um, and uh, I, I like Fight Club, but I feel now that it's just talked about so much that it becomes a bit tiresome um and it's just a time where like when i was in college uh, 18 19 it's all anyone would talk about like fight club this fight club that and it's like everybody of every other sort of topic in film studies was to do with fight club <laughs> so i feel like i've and my brother was obsessed with that movie, so I think I've seen it way too many times. Um, and, but, yeah, sorry, go ahead, Rob. 
Oh, no, no, no. I was just going to say that I, and I also, I think that, um, you know, if people are kind of interested in looking at, you know, how someone like Donald Trump got elected, two of the books that were written in the 90s that that really strongly point to, to that or to those views or whatever you want to call that um, is American Psycho and is Fight Club. You know, these two books that got adapted into movies a year after one another. Fight Club was 99, American Psycho was 2000. Mm. And they kind of deal with the same, you know, masculine malaise of just like, okay, you know, okay, what is our purpose? What are we doing here? What is our function in society? Obviously, this is going to come up in the red pill. But um, I, I just feel like, you know, all of these things are actually connected. That you had a bunch, you know, you had a media that didn't believe that, um, you know, that people would actually vote for someone like that. But it's like, you know, it's living inside of that bubble. And so um, I just think that these movies are really great. um, But I also think that they speak to larger social issues going on. And, you know, 20 years down the line, it's like we're still kind of talking about it. So I think that's really cool. Yeah, most definitely. And um, I think all of it's so hard to choose out of that those four movies and yeah. I didn't even include other movies like Magnolia and um, yeah. <laughs> Eyes Wide Shut and everything mm-hmm. uh, because it's really hard to just pick one. Um, right. But when I think of that, yeah, that's those those are the four movies I think immediately without mm. without any doubt. So uh, you know the the well, trouble you have be with trying to pick one is kind of the way that I've been kind of going back and forth from 2013 mm. because that year, you know, with 12 years of slave inside Lewin Davis gravity and the wolf of wall street. <laughs> I mean, yeah, the, wow. It, well, there's just some years where you find it really hard to pick your top 10 and then you find, because there's just not enough movies. And mm. then there are some years <clears> where, there are too many movies. Yeah. It'd be nice if they try and balance it out one and, you know, that would be great. But Exactly. Uh, <laughs> so, anyway, that was our little poll. Um, we had some great responses, and thank you for all of those people who voted, and uh, that that's great. And um, um, I will hopefully be running some documentary polls uh, next week, so... Uh, Yep, I'll be bugging you guys again. <laughs> um, but now I think we should move on to our discussion of the red pill. Um, now, guys, uh, before I before we go into it and uh, I sort of introduce the movie, I just wanted to know if I said um, the red pill, what would be your first initial thought? The, the um, Matrix. The Matrix, yeah. <laughs> and what would you think the documentary would be about? The making, you... Either the making of The Matrix or it's... Um, it, or maybe it's a, a movie about the, far, the pharmaceutical industry. Either one. Yeah, yeah. I'd agree with that. Um, so you had no sort of idea of what this documentary was about going into it, I, I assume. Pretty much, yeah. I, I, I uh, the red pill. Like, oh, okay, I'll, well, I'll, I'll watch this for the, uh, for the podcast and see what this is about. And it wasn't what, what I was expecting. <laughs> uh, that was so. I hope that's a good thing. Really. That definitely is a good thing. Honestly, okay. it was. 
Brilliant. And, and what about you, Al? Were you sort of like, okay, why has Bianca suggested this? <laughs> uh, no. I, well, okay, so um, because I there was a couple days in between when I think you, you first told us about it and then when I watched it last night. So I went ahead and, like, looked it up just just like a little bit not a lot but okay just, i looked okay. up like basically the premise yeah and i thought oh okay this sounds really cool and um getting into it i had no idea what we were in for i mean uh, wow yeah <laughs> yeah well i think that's what is so effective about it because you don't know what you're you're going into and i i think that's why um that's the same sort of you connect with um, the, you know, the documentary maker Cassie J so much is because she's going into it blind, and, and so are we, uh, and we go on this journey with her. So um, that's why I was saying with documentaries, there's some documentaries which make you think, and they're not preachy to you, and that's why I find them more interesting to discuss. Uh, that's why they have such a long-lasting impression on me is because you you know you're just like okay this is a world that i never knew existed <clears throat> it's it's really interesting so um for all those listening um at home at work <laughs> i never know what quite to say there <laughs> for all those listening um and are wondering why we're suddenly talking about the red pill um and wondering why it is um the documentary came out in 2016 um but shooting began in 2013 um it's a documentary by um a cassie J, who um going into it was a feminist she's made documentaries before previously uh one uh I believe is about reproduction rights for women. And another one is uh, sort of an LGBT documentary about gay marriage. Um, so she was really sort of very liberal, I suppose it's very feminist. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. She went into this documentary because she wanted to explore the rape culture. Uh, and what is happening on campuses. Uh, and as she started doing this, she saw a website called A Voice for Men. Uh, and she realized that this website was about men's rights. <clears throat> and initially, I was like, okay, men, you have so many rights. Okay, so, <laughs> you know, we're, <laughs> women, we're the oppressed ones here, you know. Um, and I think that's how she felt as well when she's, she was going into it. She was like, what is this? How can men be having a movement? Why do they need a movement? You know, they have all the rights. And, you know, uh, we live in this patriarchal society. Um, who are these people? They, but she became fascinated with them and started to contact them and talk to them about them. And that's when she decided she would make her documentary about them. Uh, and she spent over a year filming uh, the leaders and the, the members of the uh, male rights movement and uh, sort of speaking to them and finding out why they're, they're doing this. Uh, and as the documentary goes on and we, we 
get some really sort of disturbing facts i think it's and then you realize like okay it's not as equal well it's not equal or as we think it is you know there are men real men's problems out there and she's also had the unique opportunity to interview feminists as well and you you're following her on this journey and as she she has this video diary where she's discussing how her viewpoint is changing and she essentially towards the end of the film stops being a feminist as a result of what she spent all this time talking to these people and uh, it's such an interesting documentary and I think it really sort of puts things in perspective at least it did for me and I was like actually I've got a lot of privileges that men don't have you know uh, but uh, I don't think it's a, it's a, a, a documentary which is uh, for it's against feminism and or for feminism. I, I think it's just solely about equality, uh, and it's not in support of you know the radical male movement. Uh, but it wants us to sort of see them not as these sort of the class as a hate group, which I found was incredible but these are you know just the reasons why these people have joined the this movement is not because they hate women it's because the system has let them down and i think it was really moving but i i, I really enjoyed it but i, I just wondered what you guys what how was your response to, to yeah. watching the documentary yeah i i really liked it um i i mean the the uh I think the topic is much more interesting than like deciding whether it's exactly the best made documentary. You know, I, I do think that it's a little, um, it probably didn't have the best funding or whatever, but that's fine. Who cares? Right. Um, it's, it's definitely covering a really interesting subject. And, you know, I grew up actually, you know, in our, our American culture, I grew up actually feeling like men were um you know pigs and part of the problem and just kind of like you know these these monsters basically and so as a young boy growing up i it's like okay how do i you know without a father you know how do i feel about myself how do i how do i put myself in the world how do i how should i look at myself and for a long time i just like lived in this like shrouded like you know, is it okay if I, you know, is it okay if I walk up to a woman and ask her out? You know, it's like as a, as like a 22 year old guy, it's like, that's weird, right? That's not, that's not cool. Um, and so watching that from a perspective of kind of always, always sort of like being aware of, you know, women's issues, the fact that, you know, they're more, uh, they're more prone when they go out at night, they're, you know, you know what I'm saying? They always have to sort of look out for themselves um, that was always in my mind. It's always been in my mind. But then when I watch this documentary, things come into focus when you just shift that perspective. So you can have really just vindictive people. You know, you can have individuals who are just mean and awful and do everything they can in their power to kind of like take your kid away or, you know, um, you basic basically mess up your life because your relationship didn't work out, you know? And so I think that the movie really examines a different point of view, but it also captures that feminist perspective. 
and I found it I found it interesting that when Cassie would bring back information about um you know that that she got from the MRAs the men's right a- rights activists to like the feminist professors and and mm-hmm. scholars they kind of just they didn't actually give their information or view or uh you know statistics they just kind of shrugged it off like oh well that's not reality and it was like mm-hmm. it was a little head scratching because like dude you're a profess like you're an educator you're a professor at a university who's written books and you you aren't willing to it, you aren't even willing to like entertain what these mm. people are saying to me that is like a really dangerous precedence to set um that and like the whole censorship issue like this movie wasn't allowed to be shown because there were protests about it yes. you know and in the yeah. movie she talks about the the mras being protested for not being basically not being allowed to speak or being harassed when they try to speak and it's like if you really believe in our country and the constitution you believe in freedom of speech you believe in freedom of expression uh you're 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 being a hypocrite by stepping on these people's toes yeah i get it you don't agree with it but it was that it's that whole it's that old saying you know i don't agree with what you say but i'll defend to the death you're right to say it basically like i you know you can say what you want to say. We all have that right. Yeah, I, I was. It, I watched it. There was a point where um, I think it's the sociologist. Um, his name is uh, Warren Farrell, mm-hmm. um, who wrote the Myth of Male Power. Um, mm-hmm. Which she she interviews him and speaks to him at some, you know, quite a, a great length. But he did a talk on the campus, and the the people protesting are really quite it turns quite violent mm-hmm. uh and there's that girl who's shouting in this man's face and he's just very calm and he's just like i'm just here to to get another opinion i don't you know i'm uh, i'm not on either side and she's just like you're fucking scum yeah pig, you're fucking scum you're a rape apologist <laughs> and she's up in his face and i was thinking that's actually quite a double standard in a way because if it was a woman and a guy was screaming in her face, you would have someone intervene and be like, okay, stop that. You know, that's you're harassing that person for, you know, if, imagine if that was the case where it was a feminist speaking and he had all the male rights activists shouting in the faces of these women who were attending. We would have such a, a uproar about it. Mm-hmm. And I thought it was quite funny because they start all the protesters started screaming at the police. You know, this is what male's right looks like, and there's yeah. a female police officer there. And I'm thinking, wait a second, there is equality because there's a it's right there in front of you. <laughs> there's a, a woman police officer there, so women are equal in that sense. We do have the opportunities to go into you know the police force and the army and, and 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 a lot of the statistics in the film show that men are now at a disadvantage in a lot of a lot of places i i think it was the one that stood up out to me was the 75 percent of suicides are male and mm-hmm. um, then i think it was like i think cassie brought it up and one of the feminists said well women attempt suicide more often okay so they're you know, they're worse at it is that i mean i don't understand <laughs> I don't, what you're trying to yeah it's just kind of felt like 
nobody was sort of addressing these statistics properly and the the facts are there the numbers don't lie but people are just sort of burying their heads in the sand and i think there's been a shift in a way where we were 30 years ago we were saying that okay women aren't you know getting are are being harassed are in the the work not in the workplace and that is still happening but action was taken to change that to change the law and give more opportunities to women but mm-hmm. um what, what, what about you jonathan what was your sort of take on the film what was your uh, sort of reaction to it my reaction is that after watching it feels like it, it i think the whole point is that there's the women's rights it, women's rights and men's rights aren't aren't pair aren't this aren't these two parallel lines they really are intersect in, in some areas and I thought that, that that aspect is very very interesting to take in and to understand and the um, uh, the segment where, she, where they're talking about um, adoption is it was it it was adoption not adoption it was the uh, uh, parents rights basically parents rights custody. yeah it, that, that was that was really uh, both kind of chilling and just like that was an eye opener for me because I mm-hmm. did, I was not aware of any of the stats that that were that that were so not there were even some of the stories that were out there that are just downright you know heartbreaking. Mm-hmm. I, I think there's a bit where she draws the charts and says, "Okay, these are the options that the woman can take if she gets pregnant," and it's all like, "Okay, you can do this, you can do that," you know. And then the men, I think it's like. <laughs> have barely any say in it and I think a lot of the time people aren't thinking about the actual child in these situations yeah. and that's the the people who are really suffering like you know it becomes like and I feel like maybe the documentary should have focused that on that a little bit more like the actual implications of what's happening to the children who are well, being used as pawns in a way well, it's a dangerous precedent because basically what you're saying is that, um, you know, you can you can look at you can basically like calculate a situation based on a human life. I mean, it's just so it, I don't know. I, I to me, it's just like if that's if that's seriously someone's mindset at a certain point, just to, to be vindictive or to be hurtful or whatever. It's just like there is a human being at the center of all of this. You know, there is a human life that, you know, needs nurturing, needs care, needs love of, you know, both their parents. And I, yeah. So I don't know. (laughs) It's just such a a messy situation. Yeah. Do you think the documentary would have been stronger if we, or if we had a chance to actually speak to one of the mothers who, um, who may have, you know, the, the whole, um, paternity fraud type of thing mm-hmm. I was wondering would I think maybe if we got a, a, their opinion, their perspective on why, for example, we had that story about the, the gentleman who was fighting for shared custody of his child and, uh, you know, in the end lost it because, you know, the, the boy, the boy's mother sort of tricked him into to having a, a child and she won for custody rights and I don't know I kind of want to hear her side of things 
and I feel that's where sometimes the documentary falls a little bit down for me is because we don't get that her side of the story we're just hearing his yeah um i mean i will say just from experience and you know uh, maybe this colors me a certain way but i mean some people are just trash (laughs) so yeah i mean you just some people are just trash some people are just flat out just sociopaths there's not much you can do beyond that because that woman might say oh well i'm entitled to that you know i i you know uh i you know i feel like i've i've um done enough in the marriage or relationship to justify you know what i might do or what i what i might trick someone into doing um so who knows i mean it's but i but i agree that like i i wish that they would have gone into some of the statistics about like the pay disparity and like Mm -hmm. you know some of the other issues that we're kind of talking about today um in terms of where we're where we still have to go for equality because I mean, I've I've looked at this issue going back a couple years, and I don't even know what I believe. Okay, <laughs> I am a yeah. I am a feminist in the way that I believe in equality. Right, I believe mm-hmm. everybody should have the same opportunities that I do. Um, now, if you know, going but going beyond that, going to discussing what like rape culture is in the media or like movies or like that's kind of like a, a real specific kind of thing where I say. Okay, like just because a, a it's a male director and it's a erotic scene, it doesn't mean that he's like you know what I'm saying. Like it doesn't mean that he is mm-hmm. literally um, being Mrs. Uh, exactly. Mis- it's like Brian De Palma yeah. doing all of those like creepy like stalker <laughs> slasher movies you know, in the '80s. It's like he like Brian De Palma is the woman, like he is the victim, like he as the director. You know, he's not the one. I mean, yes, he is also the one like stabbing yeah. her. But it's like he's he is, you know, that's the woman in Brian De Palma that he's showing or whatever. And so and it goes back to that old saying, like um, a depiction of misogyny is not an act of misogyny. You know, just because you're you're showing something, it could be critical of that thing. It doesn't necessarily it doesn't necessarily promote it. And that's where I think like radical feminists sort of lose me, where Mm -hmm. it's like you're perpetuating a uh, violence and it's like no this is a creative vision by an artist it's yeah, not yeah. so that anyway that's it's going just, off into a different yeah. <laughs> well um al what was your sort of um reaction to the documentary I, I had a hard time trying to figure out was i right in getting upset at times <laughs> and wh- okay. what exactly was I getting a- upset about? Because mm-hmm. I never want to be labeled as somebody who would be, um, I don't know, like against a good cause. Right. Mm-hmm. None of us do. And that's what the social pressure is, you know, and that's why it's like, yeah, oh, that's messed up. because it, in a way it's like, um, you know, not that, I mean, I don't worry about. Uh, anybody giving me any kind of hate mail. In fact, uh, I mean, if somebody wanted to take the time to write me some hate mail, go ahead. But (laughs) (laughs) I mean, yeah, that shows they, you know, they're anyway, anyway. So, but I don't know. Like I, I, first I thought that the documentary was going to be like, here's why feminism is good. And here's why these people are so evil. And then yeah. as, yeah. as like five to ten minutes in, I'm like, wait a minute. It sounds to me like she's going to be on their side almost. And, mm-hmm. you know, the thing that, okay, so my first eye roll slash, you know, big sigh was when, and oh my God, this stuff was so 
fucking crude was like when the guy was talking about um, being able smashing to... Smashing her head? Yeah, smashing yeah. her yeah. head. Yeah. And I thought, what the fuck? Who is this asshole? And what... <laughs> yeah, it needs to be taken down. But then yeah. you find out that, that his Bullshit. piece was in a reaction to a piece posted on Jezebel, which said, was it, you know, why we should hit more men? Mm. Yeah, even though I felt like, I don't know, I guess this is sort of a criticism. I didn't quite understand that. Like, mm. I didn't understand why his reaction was justified either. No, they're both wrong. Both yeah. of them. Yeah, I, I, I don't think Cassie is trying to say that he's right or or uh, they're right. I think she is very much, I don't think she really agrees with a lot of what, she does agree with what they're saying, but their approach to it is completely wrong. Yeah, yeah, they're coming at it almost like um, petulant kids. Mm, yeah, and and yeah. you know they just want to get their way no matter what, win at any cost. It, it doesn't matter who they have to ruin. And I, I don't know, but, but so my my thing is, I kept getting like mad because I'm like, oh my god, that seems completely unfair and holy shit and wow and I don't know. And I kept thinking, am I really taking the guy's side all with all this? Because it's like these people are supposed to be the bad guys, and yet I'm agreeing with them. Yeah, and then you're right. Like as soon as we were seeing the other side, she's like, "Well, let's hear from some feminists and whatnot." And they all came off really bad. Yeah, dismissive, and, really. Yeah, and Big Red especially. Oh my god! Oh, oh, I god. actually just want to say, I kind of like her, but I actually hate her at the same oh. time. Like she's <laughs> she, she just I wants love- to be a man. Okay. I'm just sorry. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, a hip, it's hypocritical because, you know, here's this guy who's, I don't know why he's there, but he's there and he's like talking to her and she she was like, well, shut the fuck up and listen, you stupid jerk. And it's like, yeah. dude, I, what gives I, you the right to talk like that? I right. know, but the thing is, it's like, I like how crazy, crazy she is, but she's very like a character, isn't she? She seems... Is she, is she like it's a that persona 24 7 <laughs> but it's like a persona it's like it's putting on a performance and that to me that's it smacks even more of just kind of like a like a falseness yeah but cause... but because don't get me wrong like i trust me i have cultivated the loud angry like you know east coast like you know uh i don't know like whatever whatever you want to call it but like trust me i get i get what she's doing and and trying to be sort of a charismatic loud voice for feminism but really she's doing more harm than good i think oh yeah well i mean that that whole routine gets tired fast (laughs) i mean to be around somebody like that i would i would it's exhausting yeah i would be sick of it after like five minutes hey you want to go get some pizza no i want (laughs) to yelling about this thing. <laughs> exactly. Was the pizza made by a man? Was it oh, made boy. by a man? No. <laughs> right. And the thing is, like, okay, I I feel like the whole idea of saying feminism versus manism, I don't know, what's the what's the male Men- version? Meninism. Meninism. Yeah, meninism yeah. or meninist. Yeah. So, like, why, <laughs> do we have, why does there even have to be, like... Uh, ism. Why can't yeah, we just well, all be friends? Why? Why? It's well. Okay. Here's what I'm getting at. Why can't? Why aren't they spouting 
equalism. Right. Mm-hmm. But the, that's the, the whole, whole point, is that we, 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 at this point, like, there have been things that we've uh, achieved over the last three, four decades, right, that have, that have helped women become equal, whether it's the, you know, birth control or, uh, you know, vote, you know, voting rights or whatever, whatever, yeah. whatever, like, holes there have been in, in democracy and society. Um, but now we're at a point where, you know, we're looking at, okay, you know, what is, what is that issue? You know, what is the, where are we missing? Is it because if it comes just down to individual choice, well, we all have that, you know, we all have the choice to go after whatever career we want or whatever, um, Mm. you know, do we, do we want to be, you know, stay at home moms? Do we want to be in the workforce? Do we want to try to mix both of those things? You know, but I, I, I'm just trying to sort of locate what that narrative is, you know, because all I hear is like people kind of complaining about first world issues. um, And then you look at what women in other countries have to still deal with. So I I don't, I mean, are we really having that conversation? Because that's, I mean, that's the reality. The reality is that most women around the world do not have the rights that Western women have. And so that's something to acknowledge if not, you know, kind of take with you and and um you know and look at yeah but the, you also find out through the documentary but it, it's not just women are uh disadvantaged in other countries mm-hmm. and it's the men that are also disadvantaged as well because you find out that the males right movement is quite huge in india because of the the rape laws mm-hmm. that Men are being raped and they can't get any uh, justice because, it, you know, as a result of their very strange law that men, under their law, men can't get raped. Well, they can. Yeah. Um, but I, I kind of so wish, yeah, I kind of wish she would have gone into that. But I don't, I don't know whether that was a financial thing that she couldn't go to countries and explore that and speak to those people. Um, it seemed a lot very based in America. Um, well, and, and, uh, and like American, Yeah, an American society. But what about what's happened? Feminism and equality is something that affects everybody across the globe. Mm-hmm. And we should all have the same equal rights, whether we're <laughs> in Great Britain or you know, in in Afghanistan or wh- wherever, you know, um, everybody should be equal. Uh, I feel like maybe the documentary kind of just focused a bit too much on uh, what's happening in the United States. Mm, yeah. Well, that's that's probably just because she's an American. So she's going to yeah. she's going to use the information that she can easily access Mm. And how it relates to her and probably her 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 target demographic of people that would be watching that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. Some of the statistics, uh, it, it's just it shocked me. You know, like when when she was getting into how men are the only ones that really go to war and die, and yeah, even, it was ninety nine point nine percent. Of mm-hmm. casualties in Vietnam, and, and, in you know, the like Gulf for War. instance, I I wanted Hillary Clinton to win, 
But I was appalled at her reaction to that question about her non answer. You mean? Yeah, or yeah, that should should women have to also sign up for the draft? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, if they want equality. Exactly. And this is the point, though, like and again, I'm not I'm not making any accusations or whatever, because everybody's their own individual. I believe that I believe in individualism more than anything, if I believe in an ism. Um, but look, equality, that is what equality is. OK, you know, um, if you know you want to share in the in the good things, you also have to share in the bad things like mm-hmm. that's that's a part of taking on the responsibility of equal rights equal yeah. and equal representation um but I, I also look i also am am under the belief that things like politics right politics is based on power and so to me it, it actually look the issues that we have with corruption and with and with power are going to exist regardless of in my opinion like gender or whatever because it's about the individual, ultimately. It's about the individual saying, this is wrong, and this is right, and I, I, you know, I'm going to do what's right. But like, look, looking at someone like even Hillary Clinton under that umbrella of saying, well, let's, you know, let's elect the first woman president. And it's like, is, okay, is she the right candidate, not is she, you know, is she a woman? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, in, in regards to the documentary, uh, were you shocked by a few of the things that were coming out? For example, uh, the lack of domestic violence shelters for men. Did, yeah, that, the, was, that, was, yeah. that was an eye-opener. Like, well, men don't need it. <laughs> it's like, how ignorant is that? It's just like, yeah, yeah. yeah, men don't get battered at home. They don't need violence shelters or domestic violence shelters. They don't, you know, and, and it was just like, it was kind of a a dumb moment of like, why wouldn't they have that? Well, the thing was, the statistic was quite shocking because it, yes, one in three women in their lifetime will be a victim of domestic violence, which one is awful. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And and then I was thinking, what it, no, that can't be right. What one in four men. And I looked it up and that is, that is what the statistic is. There's been yeah. studies on it. And, and then I was like, okay, and there's no, there's hardly any shelters. I think, was it one shelter in yeah, Alabama? Yeah. Arkansas. Uh, Arkansas, I'm sorry. I thought it was Alabama. All right. Uh, and then I found what was quite interesting was when she um, had the interview with the lady who, the, the British lady, um, oh gosh, what's her name? Erin uh, Pizzi, I think her name was. The lady oh, the older said, lady? Yeah, and she yeah. set up the first domestic violence shelter, and she, it was mixed. And she was saying that, that, that it was a, a mixture of both men and women coming to that shelter. Uh, but then now she can't even go to her, her own shelter. She's being kicked out, essentially. Um, and it, I, I found that was a real sort of, moment where i was kind of tearing up there was a a few points within that um documentary where i was getting emotional um the you know the bring the the reaction to bring back our girls the incident happening in nigeria well before that there had been hundreds of young boys murdered and and nobody reported on it and And i and the whole thing tying into the media, 
the media basically showing the young girls kidnapping and and like them knowing that that's what's going to get media coverage. That's why they did it. They did it to get the most Im- the mo- the largest impact. <laughs> and so it's like even even the calculation by the terrorist is is, is sexist or is like is you know is couched in this expectation of oh look how the Western media covers it you know yeah uh, well that was uh, what were you your sort of reactions were there any moments where you were just overcome with anger or yeah uh, the, um, the one sudden. gentleman who lost his son you know we were talking about it a little bit earlier but who lo- who lost the custody of his son. Um, because, uh, you know, he think would, it would name, like yeah, hundreds uh, of thousands of dollars in court fines and costs. And like, he just couldn't literally couldn't do it anymore. And it's like, that to me was, um, was really yeah. heartbreaking, you know, to see um, that kind of like, just, yeah, Fred th- you know, Haywood is his name. Um, yeah. well, the one that really like, I thought, what the fuck was when the guy was, you know, the cops came because she was abusing him or something. And, like, the cop just straight up said to him, like, if I have to come back here, I'm arresting you. You know, <laughs> even if, like, your face ends up on her knuckles or something. I'm like, what, what, what is wrong with these people? Yeah, you know? if she breaks a fingernail, you're going to jail. Yeah. Or something like that. Uh, yeah, that was really, like... But see, that's exactly why so many men don't report that, because the cops will not believe them. And uh, do we think it's a case of then these men who go into the male's rights uh, movement become almost like women hating? I don't, you know, do you think that because of their ex- bad experience that taints them and do you think that's why you get these? There are men out there who really do hate women. Um, I've seen well, it on the internet, and um, and then those are the ones that get attention, and then that sort of says, "Well, okay, everybody who's associated with the males right activists uh, are these women haters." Well, there's this movement actually online called uh, MGTOW, Men Going Their Own Way, which is basically saying, okay, well, I'm going to use a woman for sex, and that's it, and I don't need you for anything else. I have my career. I have my things. I don't need you. I don't need you to trap me into having kids. I don't need you to but trap who's me gonna into make a them family sandwiches? or alimony or all that stuff, and and to be honest with you, it, like that should literally – like it's should scare feminism or feminists because basically it's men saying i'm not doing it anymore i can take care of myself i can do i can do all the things i want to do and guess what i i can still attract ladies and you know so i don't know it to me it's kind of an interesting like uh pushback against feminism but it's not even meninism it's not even men's rights it's guys saying fuck this i'm out (laughs) so yeah getting their sex robots or whatever um (laughs) Well, and, you know, and I just remember the other thing that really, really, like, I mean, oh, God, I don't like her anyway. And this yeah. just proved why is um, the, oh, uh, God, Wendy Williams. Oh, my God. She's the uh, worst. <laughs> yes. What a hag. Shocking. I mean, she's a hag, and I don't want to use that Trick your man. Oh, my Trick God. Yeah, that, that's fucked up. Oh, and then the whole crowd was into it. She's like, yeah, you're going to trick your man. It's like, dude, you just got caught on camera 
admitting you're <laughs> going to entrap your husband or boyfriend or whatever into having more kids. And then he's going to turn around and he's going to take that video and he's going to say, look, look what she did to me. Yeah, but then they won't do anything. <laughs> I mean, well, I hopefully not, they will, yeah. but yeah. Yeah, I feel like in that situation, it's like if someone says, oh, I, I, I want to have kids, I'm like, on second thought, no, I feel like wouldn't that be like, you know, kind of like a, a divide or at least grounds for like, you know what, we want different things, maybe we should see other people or just mm-hmm. some, someone to that extent because it's really trick the person you supposedly love to having children, that's not love, that's just really fucked up. Manipulation and, yeah, extremely then, self-serving and all that stuff. Well, but then I will say that uh, as a woman, there is a pressure on women to be um a breadwinner and now be the mother to we now have to do two roles essentially right. we have to we've got more pressure on us now because we still have to reproduce and the only ones who can do that is women but then we're also expected to have a career now the thing is, 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 it's hard because in order to go and have children, you have to stop working and then you get sort of told, okay, well, now you're just playing to the rules of the patriarchy, you know? <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. And it's kind of like, what can you do in that situation? You're kind of stuck in between a rock and a hard place. It's like, the human race has to go on, and the only ones that could do that is women. But then, if you say you just want to be a housewife or a mother, you're like, okay, you're just being, you know, you're just playing to the the gender roles. But some people do want that. You right. know, there are women out there who do just want to be a wife and a mother, and why shouldn't they be? That's equality. They should have the freedom of their choice to decide. I don't want to be, go, you know, I don't want to do this career. I don't want to be forced into it. I just want to be at home. You know, that's a, a power to them as well because that's their choice. And that should be something that should be re- rewarded by society. But now it feels like, yeah. <laughs> well, I feel like, I do feel like, that question of okay can you you know do it all can you have a career and be the you know doting mother and loving wife and you know what i'm saying though to me a lot of this is marketing and social like social engineering and kind of telling girls you can do it all which is great it's it's a beautiful sentiment but the reality of that is you have, you know, what I'm saying you have a career, and then you have another full time job at home, and so a lot of a lot of people, and and maybe this is unfair, because because women are the reproductive, you know, uh, ones, but it's almost like you have to pick and choose, right? Mm. So you have to you have to decide. Okay, if you have the career, then the husband's gonna be more of a stay at home, maybe part time job, stay at home. Uh, be with the kids be more of the domesticated one or is it does the woman decide to do that and then you know what i'm saying and nobody can really say what's right for anybody you know we all have to make our own choices but yeah what i what i'm kind of cluing into is that 
as women, you do kind of have to pick and choose to some degree because you, if you're dedicated to career, you can't really be dedicated to, you know, your kids or, or I don't know, maybe you can, but I, I just feel like there's some focus lost if, if your husband isn't also, you know what I'm saying, at home or, or, or your wife, partner, whatever. Um, so I don't know. I just, I, I feel like that is something that at, at some point might come to a head. Uh, were you surprised I don't know whether you guys have gone on to read up the public reaction and the critical reaction to this film. Um, I think, Rob, you um, mentioned it earlier that this film, there were protests against showing it in cinemas. Um, I read some very awful reviews, not by just ordinary people, but by actual publications about this film. And, I think they missed the point of it completely. And I don't even know if they've actually watched a film or whether yeah. they've just reacted to the fact that, okay, this film is about the male, male rights movement, so they're a hate group. And, you know, this film is basically painting them in a good, good light and is being sexist towards women. Have you guys sort of read up any reviews and you've just been like, whoa, uh, what film were they watching? <laughs> I actually didn't read any reviews. I just I just went into this movie completely cold without really knowing what side what side the critics are on. So okay, and do you think if you had read say um, a review which was very negative and then watched a film that would have affected your sort of overall viewing experience? Honestly, it it, it probably would, it, it may it may have it, it would maybe it would it, it probably yeah. Well, I would say, um, because I did read the reviews, and they were pretty bad. Like, there were only a few of them on Rotten Tomatoes or whatever, but they were pretty bad. Um, They're pretty negative. And I would say that film criticism ultimately swings to the left. So, look, I don't want to point point out too much, but, I mean, come on. Criticism, film criticism, you know, kind of finds its place in the arts, and while that doesn't belong to, you know, the liberals or the left – it is more of an. It seems to be more of an accepting um, uh, viewpoint among critics. You know, the the, the liberal sensibility, the liberal point of view. But the thing is, I, I don't think that your political beliefs should affect your your overall viewing experience of a film. And your but, whole point yeah. of what reviewing a movie is to tell people why well, they should not. But okay, but look at okay, but to be fair, look at something like and and again, I'm it's a it's a commercial movie, whatever. But look at Black Panther, right? Look at look at how those reviews. Like, really, guys, there's not one dissenting voice. It's it's great. It, all of you, it's great. Really, <laughs> that's the thing about Marvel movies that absolutely kills me with cr- film criticism. And I know I'm I'm uh, digressing here, but it's like a lot of Marvel movies get like absolute critical praise and you read some of the reviews and it's like do you do you do you remember when you guys were hard on things like do you remember <laughs> when you took things to task do you i remember when film criticism was brutal i mean yeah. if you didn't make yeah. a great film you got torn apart and i mean <laughs> i don't know i just and so that's kind of that's my thing and i feel like a lot of movies especially if it has a political message or a biopic or something you have to sort you know there's a pressure to write a more positive review but maybe that's just my my flawed perception 
Well, I was reading a Vice article, and they cl- because the film could not get funding from mm-hmm. nobody wanted to produce it, which is astonishing to me yeah. that nobody would want to, to back this movie. Um, Cassie actually went, you know, used Kickstarter, and Vice re- incorrectly reported that her fun- her movie was funded by the males' right activists. Right. It was non-political she, funding. Yeah. Uh, and it actually turned out that her four main people who backed the movie through Kickstarter backed it for because of freedom of speech. Right. right. <laughs> and I, that is one of the first things that you type into Google. It comes up with that Vice article. And, I, yep. and it has been like... Uh, it's not right. It's the wrong information. And she's even gone on to do interviews and said this and has all the information about who backed it and everything. And, and I'm just thinking that's kind of biased. Uh, and uh-huh. already if you're before you even seen the movie, if you're just looking up what the reviews are and that's what you come up with, that's going to be like, Oh, uh, well, that, I'm not going to watch that film because it's, uh, you know, propaganda for the, the women haters <laughs> but um ow but, what this, was... but uh, just really quick i'm yeah, sorry sure, but, of like course. uh talking about like net neutrality and then coming up in the in the news the last few months this is what that is you know not having or basically taking away the protections allows things like a vice article just because it's popular to show up on that search even though mm. it's inaccurate mm. yeah anyway it's, it's troubling um, what about you, Al? Did you sort of um, read up any reviews afterwards or before watching the film? No. Um, I actually, you know, I used to read reviews. Um, but as years have gone on, I uh, I generally, um, outside of people that I actually get to know, like people like you guys, I mm. really don't read a lot of what other people write. Because um, I feel like it taints um, sort of what I'm trying to get out of something. So uh, if I get excited, and, and, you know, sometimes you can't escape hearing about stuff anyway because it's just everywhere, right? Like, I mean, yes. we're, all, we're all on Twitter. We see the talk. <laughs> so, like, yeah. for instance, uh, I'll just use this as a quick example. Like, I, I was really looking forward to Suburbicon last year. Oh, and then the reviews came out, and it's like everybody's saying, oh, this movie is terrible, it's going to suck. And then you start thinking, well, maybe I'll be the one person that likes it because I'm not going to trust anybody's opinion but my own, at least yeah. for starters. And then um, I just decide to go from there, whatever I decide. And then I'll, I'll, I'll talk to people I know and then hear what they think, and then I'll start kind of forming a fuller idea of, my opinion, but in terms of online criticisms, especially from strangers, I, I just never take the time because I feel like it's just not worth it because one, it's, it's probably going to be all the same things or it's just going to be infuriating, you know, because the way that everybody's a troll nowadays, it's like the cool thing to be a troll and, you know, like, who's that one um, New York critic that everybody seems to hate so much? Richard yeah. Brody. No, Richard not Brody? it's not Richard Brody. It's this oh, other but guy. Armand White? 
Armand White? Yeah, maybe it's Armand White. Oh, the National Review guy? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the guy like, that writes for the conservative paper? No, <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, he, even a great movie, he'll be like, dude, this thing is terrible. It doesn't yeah. be a consenter or a contrarian. And it's like, you know, everybody hates that person because of that. And so it's like, you know, do you guys remember a couple of years ago, for instance, when Boyhood had like a perfect score on yep. Rotten Tomatoes? And then Leonard Malton was like, you know, or no, Kenneth Turan. It was Kenneth Turan who was like, you know, guys, I hate to say this, and I don't want to ruin the perfect score, but I didn't like it all that much. And then everybody jumped on him like, well, why can you not like it? You got to be like a lemon well, like us. Yeah, it was kind, that's kind of thing now is that I feel Rotten Tomatoes uh, or Tomatoes. I can't do. <laughs> tomato, <laughs> same thing. Yeah, <laughs> I say tomato, you say <laughs> tomato. Yeah. Um, I feel that really affects the film because y- you know it's <sighs> there's a fight for it to be. It has to be ninety or over. Yeah. Otherwise, it's it's not worth you seeing, and it has to have a perfect score. Um, why? Well, you know, I mean, I I don't ever look at Rotten Tomatoes anymore. No. I I well, I never really did. I was always more of a Metacritic guy anyway. Um, but God, you know, those are the worst things. Those are ruining films because mm. people don't even read the reviews; they just look at the scores. Yes. So then yeah. they don't even understand like well, what what makes this a bad film or what makes this a good film. What exactly yeah. are the nuances? Uh, they don't read that stuff. They just look, oh, is this fresh or is this rotten? And then they look at the sum total and they go, oh, okay, it's a 64. Well, then it must be a 64. And it's like, that is such fucking bullshit. And I'm so tired of this. But, you know, it's like people are getting lazier and lazier. And they don't want to, they don't want to form their own opinion. They just want to back off what other person's beliefs are. And it's like, uh, just hold off until you have a chance to see it yourself. That's why, like, for instance, I follow the, 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 the philosophy that even if I do think something is absolutely horseshit terrible, I, I never, you will never hear me say, no one should see this movie. I don't believe in that <laughs> philosophy. I think every right. single movie should at least be seen, and then you form your own opinion. Yeah, right. well, the thing is, as well, is even if a film is terrible, you know that somebody, somewhere down the line, someone had a, a, a passion or a dream of what they wanted to do, and they put time and effort into making it, and that should be rewarded in a way, uh, and admired that someone, even if it's a terrible, I've seen some terrible indie movies, you know, um, which have been awful and I've just completely hated. But I admire the fact that those people took the time, effort, and money, and resources to go out and make that film. Yeah. That is yeah. something that you can't... And to then go and say, well, this is a terrible film, no one should go see it, that takes away... that. That's actually very... <laughs> I don't... Uh, aggressive, quite nasty of mm-hmm. someone to say that because... You know, what if you someone tell, you make a project somewhere down the line and someone has the same opinion that you have about, you know, uh, how would you react to that? Right. Um, who are we to say? Like, 
um, you know, someone shouldn't make films. Uh, you know, what have we done? We, you know. <laughs> well, that's also why, for instance, you know, Rob can say, oh, I hated the post, and I can say I love the post, and I'm not going to give Rob any crap about it because it's like, well, that's his opinion, and I respect Rob. Yeah, exactly. And that's it, what I think in terms of the red pill is that we should – everybody should be respectful of one another regardless of your beliefs, whether you, you know, you're a feminist – uh, you know whether you're a male rights activist you know or whether you're in the middle like i am and i think most of you guys are um you know you we just all want the same thing we all want to live happily we want the same equal opportunities the same equal rights we want to know that if i'm walking down the street at night i'm not going to be in any danger but i think the same for you guys if you're walking down the street i don't want you to be in any danger you know yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, and the case is uh, as a woman I do have some privileges that you guys don't uh, but then you have privileges that I don't have and there is a difference between us all biologically like we were saying that as a woman I'm the only one here that can give birth uh, and rather than that, well, that be so seen far, as a bad thing yeah. <laughs> so far I think science you know, 2,000 years from now, maybe men will be giving birth. Yeah, maybe. It won't, but it won't be fun, though. That's, that's fun. Yeah. Right. Downside. Yeah. Uh, I don't know where it would come out. That I don't even think about that. So, uh, yeah. Wait, that... wait. I forgot. Men have already given birth. Don't you guys remember the movie with Arnold Schwarzenegger? Junior. Oh, God. Uh, they yeah. wanted to do uh, twins again, so they decided to make Arnold pregnant. <laughs> Why? Oh God, that would be a Why? weird film if he gave birth to Danny DeVito. Oh, I want that my baby. <laughs> <laughs> but either way, that we all want the same thing. We all want to be able to express ourselves, to you know, have the right opportunities, the equal opportunities, and live a, a comfortable life where we know that we're going to have support for whatever problem we may face in the future, whether, you know, unfortunately, whether that is um, divorce or sexual abuse or physical abuse, I want to be able to go to the police and them to react to my, you know, whether I've been a victim of a crime. But I also want you guys to be able to go to the police and not be laughed at. (laughs) You know, it's a case of there needs to be a right balance in the world. And, I find that's what I don't towards the end of the film I think Cassie's the same like she ends it saying she's not a feminist but that doesn't mean that she's saying that she's not for women's rights or equality Mm -hmm. because I think the word feminism now has almost been so co-opted yeah um so diluted and and like Chinese whispers no longer means what we thought it originally meant and there's <laughs> <Yeah>. not <laughs> but I think that's what we were saying that I don't think enough people really go and they just see the reviews and think oh well I'm not going to go and watch that movie and they should give it the time of day really um I don't know about you but I would recommend this film would you guys recommend I it would, yeah, I, I would I would definitely I actually really liked watching it uh 
it's an eye opener, and it's it's a point of view that even if you could see, you can you can uh, you can say I don't you know I don't agree with it and can you know agree with it. At least it's worth seeking out to at least understand that point of view of where that person's coming from. Yeah, yeah I think um, it's really about empathy at the end of the day. Like the whole the whole the whole idea that you're so wrapped up into either what you don't have or what rights you're lacking or equality may be lacking is, is, I mean, that those are all worthy and notable pursuits, but what happens when you become too obsessed with that is that you lose perspective and you actually start, don't see those, the people that might not agree with you as your enemy. And it's sort of like a tribalism. It's almost like a religion, as they say in the documentary. Where you stop seeing these people as human beings and you just see them as, you know, what's standing in your way between, um, you know, your rights, I guess. But so I think ultimately it's a it is a portrayal of empathy and of of some of trying to understand, trying to reach out to those that that say they're different. But guess what? We might not be that different. Maybe we agree on more than we disagree on. Um, and yeah, I would definitely recommend it. I think it's kind of an eye-opening um, perspective to to share with people. And, and what about you, Al? Would you sort of recommend this documentary? Yeah, I I think um, yeah. I mean, I, I can't see everybody agreeing to to want to see this movie, and I can't understand <laughs> why. But I would still say, you know what? Go check it out. Um, Absolutely. Because, again, um, even if they don't agree with something, maybe if they actually gave it the time of day, they might learn something. Yeah. Yeah. And also, we should listen to everybody's opinion. Just because, you know, we don't have to agree with them or say that they're right or wrong. Um, We can just, uh, if we have to listen to people in order to make up our own opinion. Um, So it's, it's... the case of that that's what we should do um but anyway um i thought to finish everything off i asked twitter uh lovely people of twitter uh you can follow me at at the film b and you guys your what's your twitter handles twitter handles it makes it sound like uh <laughs> we're truckers <laughs> yeah mine is um mine is uh at rob underscore motto um, um, sorry. Yeah, you, I was going to say, okay. and yours, okay. Jonathan. <laughs> oh, yeah. Mine is uh, Mr. Brown underscore twenty three. And Al, your I list am. Man. Yep, I am Listman nineteen eighty two. Nice. Um, so follow us. You know you wanna. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, or you put, you don't have to. Just yeah, freedom but, yeah. Yeah, but we'll like even more if you do. Yeah, we we would love it. We have some uh, really great 1999 content on our website right now. <laughs> yes. Oh, you know what? I, I, I got to mention one other thing. Um, I'm glad I remember this. So um, our, our uh, friend and uh, co-writer, um, Matt St. Clair, who's not on today's episode, also has another uh, podcast that everybody should go out and check out. And it's called the Film Scoop Podcast. And he does that with uh, Dancing Dan on Twitter. And so uh, if you know who Matt is, 
then you might have heard of it already. But if you are, are not too familiar, go and check that out. Yeah. Oh, nice. I like that. Because um, <laughs> I'm always looking for podcasts to listen to. Oh, so that's right. I, yeah. Did you uh, yeah. subscribe to all those ones that I told you about? Yes. Do you know what? I have so many to listen to now. It's <laughs> like wonderful. I, I, I have, I'm spoiled for choice. So, uh, uh, but uh, can uh, I throw out one more? Yes, go. Uh, it's called it's called 80s all over and it's done by uh my friend on twitter uh scott Weinberg and his uh pal drew mcweeney and they talk about and their project is to talk about all the major moves that came out all the way from uh every month uh, every month in the 1980s and it's a really terrific uh, podcast. Some really Ooh. good stuff that I never thought I would have yeah, watched. Yeah, I was going to say, they, they so, must have a challenge on them. So, um, it's a challenge, and, and they do a great job. And they also have interviews with people from the 80s who made stuff wow. that they liked. It's a great podcast. Definitely go check it out. Yeah, um, so Scott has me blocked on Twitter because I like Brady Snellis too much. Um, <gasps> and I argue with him about it. And, um, but it's, it's fine. Uh, I, and I do want to recommend the Brady Snell's podcast. That's my favorite. That's really what got me into serious, like, uh, serious, like film history and film discussion. You know what, um, what? Rob, can I just say, I thought we were going to make a whole pod- podcast episode without you mentioning Brady Snell's. I have been, tr- we should take a bet to see if we can get through one. Okay, last Not, week I, I told Daniel my favorite podcast, so I didn't actually mention it last week, but yeah. Uh, I, no, it is a great podcast, I agree. Yeah, he's coming back soon um, and with new guests, so that'll be really exciting, but yep. I, no, I, it's a great thing, I love it, I love your passion for it, but yeah. it's, like, I, it's like a drinking game. I feel like we should have our own filmotomy drinking game. And see how many times, like every time Rob mentions Brett Easton Ellis, we take a shot. <laughs> or or says, you know, or um, trying to get to the next word. Yeah. Just watch, <laughs> I'm going to methodically delete every single you know and ums. Thank you. Thank you. It makes me sound less stupid. No. <laughs> well, as long I, as you don't yeah. say like or obviously. Yeah. Uh, like, uh, obviously. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I like you. Know, you. Yeah, that's what I do. Uh, but I was just to go back to Red Pill a second. You know, Big Red. She yeah. said obviously a lot, and every time she said it, it made me just go, "Oh, oh no, stop it!" And I was like, "Do I sound like that when I speak? Do I say obviously that much?" No. <laughs> okay, cute. No. Um, so anyway, we got. Um, so do check out those other podcasts. Um, do stay for our podcast to finish first before you check those guys out. So, uh, but uh, those are some recommendations from our guys, and we just want to give them a big shout out. So, uh, good work, guys. Um, so I asked Film Twitter, uh, what's your favorite documentary and why? And I got some good responses back i was surprised at how many people replied back so uh, i'm just going to go through a couple with you and see if you guys have even heard of them because there were a few on here i was like i've not heard about that i gotta check that out so um sebastian meredith said blackfish is fantastic um mm. 
have you guys seen Blackfish? Oh, yeah, I believe so. Oh, yeah, yeah, it's the one about two, two, yes. Oh, yes. Um, the Orcus, um, and, uh, is it Til- Tilikum? The Orca? Yes. Oh, um, that made me cry so much. Yeah, I, I, I haven't, well, I haven't been to SeaWorld in a long time, and after watching that movie, it's like, yeah, no, I'm never shipping foot in that place ever again. Yeah. The only problem I have with Blackfish was that some of the information in it is not accurate, um, and, I mean, I think it's part of a new type of documentary that's come out the last ten years that's more about shock and, you know, kind of, a you know, look looking at an issue and sort of saying, oh, my gosh, look at what we didn't know, mm-hmm. but, you know, and... and you know, going back, I think seventy seventy five percent is accurate, but there there's there's some things in there that is that are not not, and so I just I mean, don't get me wrong, SeaWorld is crap. You know, I'm not, I'm not saying <laughs> I promote that at all. I'm just saying that doc from from that standpoint, I think Blackfish is in a little bit of a, you know, it's it's more of like a, a I don't want to say a sexy issue, but yeah, it's it's sort of like getting people to watch it based on its controversy. Well, yeah, we've got to put into remember that documentary makers have an agenda, um, oh, yeah. and they mm-hmm. set out to to capture a subject and and yeah. deal with that. So they will, you know, uh, sometimes they may they, these things are edited and they may right. disclose information because they're telling a narrative. Yeah. So that's might it's be a movie. Okay. Yeah, I mean, exactly. It's a movie. We just think it's because it's documentary. It's dealing with real people. It doesn't mean that it's not being designed for a particular purpose. Exactly. Um, Kate Brown also um, said Blackfish, but she mentioned Man on Wire as well, yeah. mm-hmm. which is another great documentary. Have you guys seen that? Yes. Good. Good. Uh, I have. Oh, okay. <clears throat> uh, what about you, Al? Have you seen Man on Wire? Yeah, I saw that and the walk that the, the yeah. basically the recreation of the documentary, well, of the of the event itself. Joseph Gordon-Levitt as uh, Philippe. Yeah, uh, Philippe yeah. Petit. And you know that for some reason, um, I don't know why everybody thinks that Man and Wire is so great and the walk isn't. It's such a weird disparity because I thought the walk was pretty damn great. Yeah, yeah the walk is it's... like a nine eleven movie if you think about it, like because it it those towers really loom. Um, in that movie, you know, as sort of like almost r- uh, referring to what what will, but you know, what will come. Yeah, and you know, yeah, I have one quick little thing that I, I oh, I don't know why this annoys me so much. Uh, and don't get me wrong, I love documentaries, and since we're yeah. going to be talking about documentaries, but this really gets under my skin is when people say, "Oh, well, why did they need to make that? They should have just made it a documentary." It's like, fuck you. <laughs> yeah seriously where's your creativity at yeah i mean wh- like like anything you know because a lot of my favorite movies are based on real life based on real right. events mm-hmm. and, I, and i hate it i just hate it when they're like oh well that should have just been a documentary well the thing is 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 sometimes it's boring to see just a person sit down in front of a camera and tell their yeah. story yeah yeah um well, whereas it's it's interesting to see what the filmmakers can do. Right, recreate and, uh, it yeah, as, yeah. as almost like a story, you know? I mean, I thought that was the point of making stories. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, well, I had Sarah from Caution Spoilers mentioned um, Faces Places, which I haven't seen yet. 
Um, have any, yeah. anyone? No, not yet. No. No, I know that it had a lot of Oscar buzz, but then it kind of Faded. just disappeared. Yeah. yeah, Icarus ended up winning. Yes, which I think was a very good documentary. I recommend that one. Um, Stephen Keller said King of Kong, which isn't about King Kong. No, that um, is a great documentary. <laughs> I hadn't heard of it. Um, so I, I, I don't quite know what it is. It's but... about um, King, you know, the um, Donkey Kong. Oh, yeah. Oh, Kong. this guy. Yeah, this guy wanted to break the all time high score record. Okay. And and believe it or not, like it, the the previous champion tried to sabotage him. What? Yeah, like they were so into having the having the high score on Donkey Kong that they were trying to sabotage. But and the and the documentary is just fantastic. Ah, uh, I have to check that out. That sounds amazing. Yeah. Um, so it's not about King Kong. Nope. <laughs> no. That's why Although it's called they... the King of Kong because it's yes, Donkey Kong. Yeah, yeah they were trying. Yeah, to... yeah the King. Yeah, yeah, the King of Kong, a fistful of quarters, came out in two thousand seven. Yep. Ah, uh, okay. Um, Robert Daniels said, um, "Ken's Burns Baseball." Um, I don't Another know really what... good. Oh my god! Like I... all of Ken, all of Ken Burns documentary. Yeah. I think they're on PBS here in America, but. One. Yeah, but I've I've caught some of the episodes of baseball. It is really good. Like if you like baseball at all, he goes oh, yeah. through every decade, every kind of important milestone in in the history of the game, and he just mm-hmm. brings it all to life. You know, but I don't really like sport documentaries. This is my problem. Um, I'm not a very sporty person, so I find those type like same with sports movies. Mm-hmm. I just find I get very put off by it. Well, you but, know, you know, there's one you might like. I, I, you know, are you into soccer? Uh, football. Football, uh, yeah. Football. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, no, I'm not, but I know the game. <laughs> okay, so there's a thirty thirty for thirty documentary. Oh. Um, about the um, yes. the soccer crush in Scotland. No, it was. Oh God. Um, no, I thought it. Hmm. It was okay, in middle. I know what you're talking about too. Yeah, middle middle of England, not not Leicester. Um, oh so, crap! Sorry. Uh, <laughs> middle of England. <laughs> it's not Manchester. It's in that region. Um, anyway, the, there the team there. They were hosting a, a game, and the crowd, you know, they didn't have crowd control. And mm. the crowd, like, got so dense in, in like, these, this one section oh, that yes. people were, it, were, like, passing out. They couldn't breathe because they were getting shoved to the front, and they stopped breathing. And, like, they were... They literally started like piling up onto the field. This is this is a we have had quite a few tragedies with stadiums. Um, this, but there was this thirty for thirty about it that was just so devastating. I remember watching it too. Oh, okay. I don't think of what it's called? I I will have to check that one out. Um, um, the Hillsborough disaster. Yeah. Yes. That's what. It that was. is something that is. I think they yeah, just had in, a big massive investigation. Yeah. Sheffield. That's what it Sheffield. is. Sheffield. Yeah. Okay. Sheffield. 
So, so good. So, yeah, um, I know 30 for 30 used to be on Netflix. I don't know if they are anymore. I think they are, but... Um, we've, uh, just to wrap this up, so we had Daryl um, uh, say the last, another one about um, sports, The Last Gladiator, which is an ice hockey um, documentary. I've not heard mm-hmm. of that one. Um, so many sports documentaries. People love them. <laughs> um, Simon White waiter the cinema scene said Senna that's the Formula One documentary Um, and uh, Travis Glover said give me shout on Woodstock Woodstock sorry because of the music and um, Daniel Smith uh, Rousey said the act of killing which oh yeah that's devastating so good Um, oh yeah, which is an, one which is very uncomfortable to watch. Yeah. Um, I think there was a sequel that came out um, a couple years after as well. The Look yes, of the Silence? Silence, yeah. Yeah. yeah um, this, I find these documentaries that make it very uncomfortable are the ones that have more effect on me. Um, mm-hmm. Because uh, old friends Friday Night Film mentioned capturing the Freedmans which I don't know if oh. any of you watched. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I I was going to re-watch it again for my capsule, my film capsule, mm-hmm. and I just couldn't bring myself to do it because I've watched it once and it was just too much for me. You know when there's just a film that's just... I can't, I can't do it again because... It- yeah, Andrew Jarecki, who did uh, the Jinx for HBO. I don't know if you're familiar with that one with Robert about Robert Durst, but he's a he's a really good um, documentary director. Yeah, um, yeah. Uh, I think we've had some really good recommendations from people, and um, uh, I'm looking forward to what the content that's coming out on the site um, www.filmotomy.com, and I feel like we are going to have some really strong um, pieces coming out and I, I'm i interested in seeing the range of different documentaries that people are recommending uh, and I think that uh, there's going to be a few added onto my list I definitely will check out some sports ones <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, but uh, I just feel like we've had a really good week, we've had great content from 99 um we've got great content coming up for the documentary and all you guys are working so hard so thank you um i really appreciate your work that you're doing i appreciate all the people who are following us and liking us and sharing our stuff on twitter and facebook and we're on instagram as well um and we just want to make sure that we continue producing great content for everybody at for all of our readers and if you want to comment on this podcast whether you've seen the red pill or you've seen any of the documentaries mentioned or have a opinion about the 99 polls that we ran uh please let us know you can get in touch with us via twitter via facebook uh, uh we just love to hear your opinions but um thank you so much for you guys uh time today i really appreciate it um glad that we had such a great discussion um even though uh, <laughs> uh i feel like we we kept it civil 
which is great. Uh, wasn't <laughs> yeah. too controversial. Um, <laughs> Not like last time where Rob said he liked that he's that he's fine with Nazis. Yes. Schindler's <laughs> List is a boring movie. Okay? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Pulp Fiction was a better movie. Oh, um, yeah. <laughs> no, but thank you so much, and um, it's always a pleasure to speak to you guys. And um, thank you for allowing me to host this one. I hope um, Al, I don't know how you do it. You're an absolute legend. <laughs> oh, thank um, you. But and Jonathan, thank you so much. Um, I really like listening to your sort of uh, Star Wars discussion. Thank you. Uh, you've made me, you know what, you're right episode one isn't that bad and I feel bad for putting it on my list of worst films of 99 um, oh, I, I, oh, I'm just used to I'm I, I'm kind of used to like being, sometimes going against popular opinion with people in movies so it's, it's fine well, if everybody was the same, the world would be a boring place can I just say real quick that uh, Man of Steel is a good movie it is. Yeah, it, it is. is yeah, it is. Zack Snyder gets a bad rap a lot of the time, and like I, I think he's a very talented visual director. Um, yeah. Again, I love, I love Watchmen, so I mean, I can't, you know, that's <laughs> I, just him. If I'm gonna, yeah, yeah, if I'm gonna, if I'm gonna bust his balls or anything, it's gonna be Sucker Punch. That was just not <laughs> yeah. Even John of the Dead, I was impressed with. I, I, yeah. I really liked that uh, remake. But yeah, can we just say we want the Snyder cut of? Justice League, please. Seriously, yes. that movie was so boring, and I'm a DC fan. I mean, I was just so like, this is fucking stupid. I mean... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was really bad. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> although, like, can I just say that uh, there was not enough topless scenes of Ben Affleck in that movie, so, uh, you know, let's have more <laughs> of those, please. <laughs> uh, uh, pre-tattoo well, or post-tattoo? Sorry? Oh, yeah. Uh, tattoo or post tattoo? Hey, I've got no problems with that tattoo. <laughs> you know, I I think it's quite nice. Yeah, but um, I just want to um, be with Ben Affleck. Um, <laughs> uh, he's be, he's gotten better with age. Okay, you know, guys just get to the point where they get better with age. I know, like fine wine. Yeah, that's not fair. <laughs> Come on, like George Clooney, like. He reached a point where he was just like a total hunk. The same with John Hamm. Like when they're really young, I don't. Yeah, but you know that's uh, we've gone way off topic. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to my world. <laughs> <laughs> it's not so well. <laughs> no, I've just gone off about how much I love Ben Affleck. Yeah. The world it needs an anthem for all of womankind A song to fight, a song to write, the wrongs of all of time So we put pen to paper and wrote all through the night A gorgeous ode to feminism well within our sights But this is pretty nuanced stuff And putting it all in one song was tough And that's why this is not a feminist song we tried real hard, but it took too long. This is not a feminist song, because we were scared we would do it wrong. We know women need an anthem, a song to call their own. But we didn't write that anthem, we went home. Every woman has a struggle, and every struggle's real. 
But just try and write a song that captures every woman's deal So instead of writing lyrics, here's us running in the sand And here's a bunch of lens flares and an old woman's hands Not to call a woman old or judge a woman's hands We know a woman shouldn't be reduced to just her hands We stepped right into that trap It's so hard to navigate this crap And that's why this is not a feminist song So technically it can't be wrong This is not a feminist song I feel like we've been singing so long Our ancestors, they fought for us So they deserve a song But this is not that song, so move Choose to bail on this whole song.